Well, Donald Trump is now the first president in U.S. history to be impeached twice. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, if, if, if in fact Trump had ended up winning the election, he would have impe- been impeached like four or five times because they would just keep doing it. And I guess the joke is that if he ended up, you know, winning, it would have been like 3000 impeachments. But here we go. This time, several Republicans actually joined in. I think the number is 10. And already conservatives, Republicans, Trump supporters are saying, well, they just ended their careers. And I think that makes a lot of sense considering the Republican Party still likes Trump overwhelmingly. And in fact, according to Rasmussen, Trump's approval rating actually went up after January 6th, which shows you just how much people really love this man. Well, Donald Trump came out today, put out a video, and he said no violence, no law breaking in reference to any upcoming rallies or protests. And now we're hearing the National Guard has been briefed on very serious terroristic threats that are expected around the inauguration. So I hope that turns out to be nothing. They've got National Guard troops all over the Capitol building, all over D.C. I think they're bringing in, what, like 20,000? Is that the number? Some ridiculous number. So we're going to go through this, and we're also going to talk about the big tech censorship. Because the other breaking news, Snapchat took a brave and bold step banning Donald Trump. He's already suspended, but they announced that they're going to be permanently banning him on the 20th. So, okay, I didn't realize. Trump was a big Snapchat user. Is that a thing? I I don't use Snapchat. So So we're going to talk a lot about it. And we've got one of the foremost experts on big tech censorship, Alan Bakari. He's hanging out. Alan, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm uh, Alan Bakari. I've been uh, writing about big tech censorship since 2015 at Breitbart News. And uh, not to say we told you so, but we told you so. (laughs) (laughs) You did. And you guys, didn't you guys also put out that video of Google like crying when Trump won? Yes, this was a few days after the election. We got our hands on this internal video at Google and we published the whole thing at Breitbart News. You can still find it online. Not censored yet. And you know, this was three days after the election or two days after the election even, and they're just in total meltdown at what had happened. They wow. couldn't process it. They had no plan. They said they had no plan. They, had, they, had, they said they had no idea what the Trump administration was going to do because they hadn't, they hadn't possibly conceived that he could have won. And they also, more importantly, started talking about their plans to crush the populist movement to make it, in the words of one executive, a blip in history. And they did. This was the story of the 2016, 2020 election. Sorry, complete interference by the tech companies, and it was, and culminating it was, in the ban of Trump himself. And then it was a blip. The populist thing popped up, and now they suppressed it. But I don't think it's over. And that's that's kind of the point of, of what we're seeing. They they I guess they seem to think that people will think what they tell them to think. And that's partially true if you could shut down the Internet which they can't because we're already seeing Trump supporters going underground, setting up new networks. And it didn't stop those who got deplatformed. You know, they kept saying all these lefties deplatforming works. I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I seem to I seem to have remembered a ton of these deplatformed people at the U.S. Capitol bullhorning or marching and getting tons of followers on just different platforms. Sure, maybe shut down all of the Internet. But we'll talk about this stuff. And we also got uh, Luke Rutkowski of We Are Change. I think all of us in this room should start a music band that's called Not Censored Yet. Howdy. Hello. <laughs> I am your fellow parking lot vendor and humble t-shirt vendor. And if you want to support my efforts, you can on wearechange.org forward slash shirts. Thanks for having me. And you're also an independent journalist. Yes. Everybody knows you at yes. this point. Ian's back. Hi. Ian. Ian, were you sick? Yeah, I was. I had a headache. Bummer. I think oh. I stayed up you. too late. We shouted you out, though. We want to make, make sure everybody followed you because, oh. you know, we need to free the code. I've been That's getting it. really nice <laughs> tweets lately. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Good. Yo, I'm just ready to get dirty. What does yeah. that mean? Let's roll around the mud, man. I feel like we're we're slathering ourselves in feces and talking about how dirty it is. 
<laughs> what? Yeah, that's when fair. we talk about this like gross, you know, left versus right, all this junky, like we're in it, we're in the darkness, you know. Mix, so let's yeah. just I, you know wipe what? it on all over ourselves. I I I was thinking about what you were saying about left versus right, and I feel like tribalist is a better word for it. Because, like, Ocasio-Cortez, in my opinion, doesn't fairly represent the left. She's a tribalist. It's like, you know, her, her whole persona is owning the cons. So if you've got someone whose whole thing is owning the libs and, and someone on the left who's owning the cons, I don't feel that as accurately representing the actual values of a liberal, conservative, or a socialist, or a traditionalist, or whatever. It's just someone who wants to, like, they use that as their stand to earn internet points. So I think, you know, a lot of what we see on social media is just tribalism has nothing to do with your actual political ideology. It's which team are you on? Yeah, and that can change right, in, exactly. in the heat of the moment. This is a good point. I mean, people don't uh, realize with all this partisanship and tribalism how much the populist left and populist right have in common, especially on foreign policy. Uh, and the tribalists get in the way. Yeah. Because then you end up with the left cheering for the establishment if it means owning the cons. But we'll talk about all this. Don't forget, we got Sour Patch Lids pressing yes, all the buttons. I'm in the corner pushing buttons. And before we get started, I'm going to give a shout out to today's sponsor, Safe and Ready Meals. My friends, if you go to safeandreadymeals.com, you can get 20% off emergency food supplies. I know, you know, I've promoted this stuff a lot of, uh, fairly often over the past year, and I'm a big fan, actually. We've, we've, we've been eating it because it's, you know, basically just you, you mix it in the pot, you put some water in it. But this stuff has a 25-year shelf life, up to 25 years, and you can get, like I mentioned, 25% off. We got two-week emergency food and four-week, again, safeandreadymeals.com. Here's the thing. Uh, I'm not telling anybody to become a prepper and go, you know, dig a fort or whatever and stock it with 30 years of beans. I'm just my, my whole thing is we get reports of floods and hurricanes, and it's always good to have some kind of emergency supplies, be it water, food and a first aid kit. It was, it was always surprising to me that people have first aid, but they don't have food when you literally have to eat every day. Well, I guess you don't have to eat every day, but you eat a lot. And you don't really use it first aid kit all that often. So check it out, safeandreadymeals.com. Special thanks for them to sponsoring, uh, special thanks to them for sponsoring the show. But one more thing I want to mention. For those of you ha who haven't already, go to teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash Timcast and you will notice right there in front, it says I am a gorilla. Many of you have been posting incessantly in the, in the, in the chat that you are in fact gorillas. So we have honored your wishes and produced a shirt that says, I am a gorilla. And it is a gorilla grinning and, you know, holding his fist together. And we actually have some more. Uh, we, have, we have a Valentine's Day one. I am a gorilla. Love yourself. And then we're going to do a special edition of the I am a gorilla shirt with a tin foil hat on that. Once, we, once it goes live, it'll be only available for probably a few days to get. But again, teespring.com forward slash stores. That's it with an S slash Timcast. And then you can see the I am a gorilla shirt. We'll, we'll get URLs up so it's easier to uh, to find the stuff. But for all of you who wanted that silly gorilla shirt, congratulations. <laughs> you can now get it. And it comes in a couple colors. But let's get back to the news. Before we get started, smash the like button, subscribe, notification bell. Wow, that was long. Here's the news from the AP. Donald Trump's been impeached uh, after Capitol riot in historic second charge. Again. They say President Donald Trump was impeached by the U.S. House for a historic second time Wednesday, charged with incitement of insurrection over the deadly mob siege in the Capitol in a swift and stunning collapse of his final days in office. We get it. Several Republicans actually joined in. There were 10. That's kind of surprising, but not too surprising. Interestingly, we heard that Mitch McConnell was, would not be calling a special session of the Senate, which means the actual trial for Donald Trump will happen. Will happen after Biden is already president. But you need to understand there is one thing they are doing here. Before I tell you what that one thing is, I'll note, Donald Trump put out a big statement today on video on YouTube for the White House saying no violence and no law breaking. 
And if you look back at what Donald Trump said in D.C., he said, peacefully protest, peacefully march to cheer on politicians. He didn't tell anybody to do anything direct or to storm the Capitol or any of that stuff. But that's not what's important. The Democrats are levying a charge of incitement of insurrection for one reason. If Trump is convicted for insurrection, that is grounds to prevent him from running in 2024. That's what they're after. And that's why they are now trying to impeach him, even though oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, they did impeach him. That's why they're hoping to convict him even after he leaves office. So I've heard from a lot of people. They've said it's too late. You'll never get a Senate trial in time. What's the point? There's many Republicans who are like, why is only eight days left? Because they don't want him to be able to have any political power ever again. And they want to do the same thing to all these other Republicans who supported Trump in the constitutional process of objecting to the vote. So I don't know what you guys think, but uh, I think it's doomed to fail unless you think there are Republicans who are actually going to, you know, they need 67 votes. I mean, uh, I mean, who knows? McConnell seems to really hate Trump right now. Uh, who knows where that will go? Uh, the question is, you know, is uh, is Trump like Trump like the uh, the Obi Wan Kenobi of getting impeached every time you do it? He gets stronger because <laughs> he does have this image of you know the one guy against everyone else, and this seems to bolster that image. Yeah, yeah. The if you strike me down, I'll become more possible, more powerful than you could possibly imagine. <laughs> that's the that's the bigger question beyond all of this, though. So I rolled my eyes when it's like, here we go with impeachment again, and they really dragged it out. It was like they announced, we're going to impeach Trump on Monday. And then on Monday, they were like, oh, here we go. But we're going to give Mike Pence 24 hours, 48 hours. We're going to impeach him on Wednesday. And then they finally do it. Didn't they need like nine months to decide that the (laughs) average citizen gets $600? But when it comes to impeachment, they could just do it like that. I mean, you know, this is a major thing, but I feel like it's losing its lackluster. It was such a major big deal with Bill Clinton when he was impeached. He still obviously was able to be president. But but now it's like, okay, we, we get the kind of larger symbolic gestures. And I feel like there's a lot of them that essentially don't really amount to a lot. What, the, the gestures? Well, the, the, the larger kind of uh, saying, you know, Trump's out, of, you know, trying just to push anything Trump out. Like we saw the golf course. We saw New York City also announced today that they're right, getting right. that they're getting rid of any contracts they had with Trump, including uh, his property in the Bronx, including his ice skating ring in Central Park. So we're seeing just a lot of people using this situation to kind of stand on the grave of Donald Trump saying, look how good I am by dumping Trump. And that's crazy because Trump's popular still. Like the Trump supporters still love the man just because he's not, a pres- he's not president anymore doesn't mean they're going to sit by and just let these people destroy everything Trump. I think him getting banned made people love him. Like he got all this sympathy after he got banned off Twitter because the people were ready to start hating on him. And now all of a sudden, well, you know what it is? I think the Trump reply guys and these journalists on the left are sweating bullets like you're going to get laid off. Like Jim Acosta is already gone. You guys saw that, right? No, what happened? CNN announced that Jim Acosta is no longer the White House, you know, correspondent. Well, he served his purpose. <laughs> yeah. Well, wow. you, you can look at it that way or you can just look at it as Jim Acosta was doing a job for CNN, but without Trump, he's literally nothing. The, it, it's, he served his purpose, I think. Sounds too nice. It's that Jim Acosta doesn't have anything going for him. The only thing he had was that he was the guy who was willing to waste everyone's time just blabbering at Trump and not ask, actually asking questions. Well, I'll be the first Breitbart reporter accused of being too nice to Jim Acosta. <laughs> right? No, but it is. You served your pers- purpose and you can go. And I'm like, well, 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 he was useless from the get-go until Trump came in. <laughs> yes. No, for real. That's, that's better, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, w- w- did anyone know Jim Acosta before Trump? Nope. 
No, I mean, I, I think I don't even know what he was doing for CNN. He was the White House press corps for a while. I remember meeting him, um, oddly enough, at Bilderberg, but he wasn't covering Bilderberg. He was just staying at the Bilderberg Hotel before the actual conference was happening. Weird. And that's where I actually met him. And um, so, so what you're saying, he actually got fired. Um, if he was the White House correspondent before Trump, this was years and years ago. Um, and uh, I gotta, I gotta look up the dates to to verify. Everything. But he was the White House correspondent. Yeah, he was the White House uh, correspondent for a while. And they now. gave him the boot. You see, they're shutting down their airport network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. CNN airport is gone. Yes. They're just because without Trump, they're in panic. Yeah. And you know, Jeff Zucker, the president of CNN, was like, you know, it's the it's the lack of air travel from you know because of COVID Mm-mm. and the changing way people are consuming media. And I'm like. Yeah, but what about CNN hotels? Like hotels play CNN all the time. But I guess they were paying the airports. That makes sense that they would terminate that. I wonder what the airports are going to do. Oh, no. They're just going to leave CNN on. I think that's actually a bet CNN probably made. I mean, they they have all these TVs at the airports. Airports aren't going to just turn them off. They're going to have to play something. Wasn't there rumors about Zucker potentially leaving CNN too recently? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Okay. The the whole ecosystem, the whole economic system of the media was built on Donald Trump for four years. That's why I'd been saying before the media secretly wants Trump to win, but they can't say it or contribute to it. But deep down, they're like, what am I going to do? Like there's an op-ed from one journalist freaking out being like, my whole career was built on calling out Trump and now he's gone. What do I do? And it was like some other journalist talking them down, like, calm down, calm down. <laughs> you'll figure it out. You'll You'll evolve from this. I, I was surprised to see the Krasenstein brothers uh, celebrating uh, in a short video. If if you don't know, they're, they're two guys who the only people, the only reason anyone knows their name is because they were Trump reply guys on Twitter. They got their following through re- responding to Donald Trump. And they were celebrating him getting banned. Well, you know, that's how you, that's how people know who you are. Uh, but this whole thing about corporate corporations, banks cutting off Trump, social media companies cutting off Trump, it's kind of has a silver lining in a way because it shows where power lies in America. And it's raised this issue now, I think, to international concern. You've got foreign leaders who are horrified yeah. to see. I was I was really, uh, um, uh, what's what's the right word? Uh, not shocked. I was impressed, you know, uh, to, to see bastions of human rights and civil liberties standing up just give, gave me hope, you know, like like uh, China and uh, Uganda <laughs> uh-huh. calling out these these horrific acts that were being carried out in the United States. Hmm. Bravo. Well, one thing that's really interesting is that there is uh, international outrage about what's happening in the United States with the banning of the U.S. president on social media, kind of transferring the power of information into the small hands of a few select billionaires. And it's uh, a few French ministers, Angela Merkel, uh, the Mexican president, and, and a lot of other people are actually... Australian ministers yeah. as well, and there are reports that the British prime minister is now considering... Uh, regulations yeah. on tech censorship now this really? is interesting yeah. Wow. yeah this is interesting because we don't hear about this at all like the, the, there's no outcry there's celebration on social media that were shown on mainstream media which calls for more heads to roll uh but but we don't hear any of the legitimate concerns that are are very serious i mean we, we're living in a situation where essentially a few people have total control they privatized the, the internet and they could do whatever they want with this vast ever-growing power that has so much influence on our lives and it's absolutely scary People outside of the U.S. are realizing it, and no one's even hearing about it. Yeah. So American elites love the fact that these tech companies can stamp down on their political opponents. 
But uh, no one in any other country really likes the idea of that because they don't want an American. <laughs> they don't want an American company coming and picking and choosing their elected leaders. That's like where the, we're going. the Chancellor of Germany doesn't want that. The Prime Minister of Britain doesn't want that. Yeah. The dictator of Uganda doesn't want that. He just banned well, Twitter and Facebook before his election. Well, they understand this kind of bigger merger of big tech and the Biden administration that's hiring all these tech executives to be a part of its government. This merger is going to have vast power, not just in the United States, but specifically the world. Whenever there's a protest, whenever there's a demonstration, whenever there's a world leader that doesn't play along, that doesn't do whatever the elites want him to do, whatever the billionaire class wants done, if, if they don't do it, if they don't jump when they say jump, they're going to have all the power in the world to shut someone down everywhere because of their speech. And and, and we, we have to understand, this is not just Twitter or Facebook. These are monopoly powers of, of Amazon and Google that control the key infrastructures of our information highways. So whether it's server space, whether it's internet cables, these people have so much power way beyond just social media algorithms. So it's interesting, Poland, they announced this bill. I don't know if you, I don't know if you guys saw this, yes. where they're going to you know, rein in big tech. I actually have this, uh, this story from the New York Post, written by Will Chamberlain. He writes, Poland, appropriately enough, is leading the way. Their justice minister, Zygmunt Ziobro, announced last month that the Polish government would enact a law constraining big tech from censoring their citizens. Polish users who are victims of censorship can go to a new Polish court, get an injunction forcing the company to restore their account and their content on penalty of a fine of as much as 1.8 million euro. We should do the same. Americans should have the same right to speak on large social media platforms that they do in a public park. We simply need to change the law to make that a reality. You know what I love the most about this? Here I am, you know, 10 years ago, uh, fundraising and doing, you know, engaging in activism to regulate major corporations. Why? Oil spills, big mm-hmm. political lobbying, violation of civil liberties. And, you know, you, you had these big evil companies. And here I am today doing the exact same thing. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Yet now conservatives have joined in. And it's really interesting to see the left has abandoned me. Where'd they go? Yes. They no longer want to regulate the companies that are seizing the commons. I, d- I made an analogy to this on Twitter where I said, I, I had an epiphany after being told, but my private company for the 500 millionth time. And I realized that all the activism I did for the environment was wrong. BP is a private company. If they want, if they have the, if they build an oil rig in the ocean and they're permitted to do it and oil spills out of it, well, too bad. Why don't you start a company to clean up that oil? And I know, of course, they all said, that's a different thing. It's a different problem. That doesn't make sense. And I said, it certainly makes sense. BP caused damage to the commons, the areas that we all share that must be protected so that people can use them. In that destruction and damage, we all got mad. And there are regulations to pre- prevent them from doing this. What I see with big tech and social media is them shutting down legal political speech in the commons where we have our, they've, they've taken over the town square. People aren't going out and going to church to talk anymore. They're not going to, to community centers. They're doing it on Twitter. And the big tech companies shut that down. And I believe they need to be regulated in some capacity. And this sounds like a good solution. Allow people to get an injunction. Well, this latest news definitely made me feel more Polish and proud from my home country. But we have to understand Europe has been taking a very different approach than the United States when it comes to big tech for a long time. When it comes to regulations, fines and penalties, social media has been kind of pushed back there more than I would say anywhere else in the world. But also specifically with with Poland and and other countries like Hungary. I also recently saw an article saying that the Biden administration is eyeing Poland and Hungary to get back at it 
candidate for some of the kind of cr- close relations yeah. that they had previously with Donald Trump and because of their implementation of policies that don't go along with, of course, the, the kind of global order that the some people reset. want well, to push, the global reset, immigration, uh, you know, nationalism. Those are key important issues that Poland and Hungary hold close to their heart that, of course, is different than the rest of Europe. And that's why we're seeing uh, the Biden administration kind of set its eyes on that specific region because they're going to be implementing policies that are going to affect it in very negative ways. And you especially see this with Hungary, where you had the State Department actually funding opposition media in Hungary. The reason why they particularly dislike that country is because Hungary is trying to get the NGOs out of the country. The NGOs are, of course arms of U.S. influence abroad. They're all funded by USAID or the State Department. Didn't they ban Soros? They banned the Soros NGOs. Yes, it was quite a while ago. You know, it's interesting. I think you were telling me something, Luke, because uh, I grew up on the south side of Chicago in a very Polish neighborhood. And of course, there's always the stereotype about Polish people not being smart. You mentioned that it was because the Soviet Union executed the intelligentsia of Poland. Yes. Well, Well, when Russia came in, they, they took a lot of the professionals, whether doctors, whether professors, teachers, and they executed a lot of them or sent some of them to Siberia in order to gain cultural control of larger institutions that they were able to implement communism that the Polish people hated and they resisted. And and that's one of the reasons why this kind of labeling by the Russians as Poles as being stupid uh, is kind of prevalent. But also, if you look at it, Polish people actually have a very high IQ, especially compared to that region. Uh, but, but specifically, uh, it, it didn't work. But, but another thing I want to bring up, because I saw a tweet, I, I don't know exactly who said this, but it was by a left-wing verified user talking about how he wants to make sure that Trump supporters can't ever be teachers, yep. uh, professors, uh, and any kind of workers that have uh, any kind of work that has kind of um, po- powers to be a boss. Or to influence young yes. I don't know the exact tweet, so I don't want to mention it. Uh, you know, directly, but but we're seeing kind of similar epithets being issued by blue checkmark verified Twitter users that are worrying and that do echo some other historical uh, timelines that are troublesome. And and John Brennan saying that no no one who served in the Trump administration should ever get a job anywhere else. It reminds me of... uh, uh, debathification in Iraq, where yes. any, anyone who yep. was part of the Ba'ath Party, yep. you can't let them do anything. They're but excluded I, from society. Well, hold on, just one and really it's the same people point. doing it. That's literally what we were talking about yesterday that brought onto the onset of ISIS. That was one of the key moves, according to many strategists, that brought ISIS to the national stage was that particular move that you brought up. Sorry, go ahead, Tim. No, I was going to say, I, th- I think the, 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 the thing you were saying about Poland is really interesting because, yeah, they wanted to get rid of the intelligent, the, the intelligentsia, the thought leaders, the cultural leaders in Poland. And we're seeing a similar thing with mass censorship. They want to take out the influential people of, you know, right wing populism. And at the same time, what you see with Poland is a deep hatred for communism and uh, fascism or Nazism because they were oppressed by both. So now you have this country that's like, we're going to defend the right of our citizens because we know exactly what it leads to, regardless of your if you're left wing or right wing. I remember seeing a meme recently, and it said, dangerous tools of uh, insurrection, and it had uh, a guitar, and it had a paintbrush. And and we have to understand here, the the bigger cultural aspects and institutions are pretty much more and more political for a reason. And they're extorting a lot of that power, a lot of that kind of culture, a lot of that kind of influence in in ways that really should make people question what's really going on here. But you, you can tell how the tech companies really messed up, because it's not just Poland and Hungary who have been opposed to internet censorship for a while, and Poland was working on this before the Trump bans. 
uh, so was Hungary, but it's also alarmed Germany and France yep. and the UK and Australia because, you know, all of those countries, you know, they run by fairly, you know, neoliberal or left-wing governments, especially Germany, and they have hate speech laws on the books. Uh, but they look at what Silicon Valley is doing and, and, and are thinking, well, hold on. It's our job to define what hate speech is. Yep. That's a job of our national parliaments, our governments. We're not going to have Silicon Valley yep. come in and set the rules for us. Yeah, many people don't understand. In large parts of Europe, if you utter some words together, you literally will end up in jail. There's people who just said particular sounds. They are in jail. We in the United States have an amazing... Uh, a right that's inherent for, I think, everyone to be able to exercise our free speech. But again, that is directly under threat right now with all the major avenues of communication squashing down and making sure people can't have a voice online. Well, this, this is an interesting question because is it are the government consequences worse now than the corporate consequences in America? So at least in the in Europe, you know, when the state defines hate speech, that's governed by some form of parliamentary procedure. It's, there's a democratic process. It's transparent. They can't just change it overnight. And they can't apply it arbitrarily. It has to apply to everyone according to the law. Whereas and there's Silicon, accountability in a court yes. proceeding that happens. Sorry, go in, ahead. Indeed. And uh, whereas Silicon Valley, they can change it overnight. They can apply it to just to one set of people and not to another. Uh, and uh, the consequences can potentially be more severe. You can lose your entire livelihood, your entire business. Whereas in Europe, mostly you might get a fine. Uh, it was Count Dankula, right, who got like an 800-pound fine. Mm -hmm. Is that yeah. worse than being demonetized and by YouTube? I think he, being demonetized is worse. But right? follow, following the arrest and the smears, he did get that as well. You know, it was it was an arrest. It was a charge. It was, you know, criminal trial. And, and then Silicon Valley piles on ex as well. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I'll tell you what's scarier than Twitter banning someone. What's scary is banks banning people or vendors banning people. What we're seeing now is, is one of the most dis uh, – look – I'll say the word dystopian, nightmarish, all that stuff. But let me just stress this point. We are, at, we, are, we are in this space now where almost every corporation is terrified of everyone walking in lockstep and banning any wrong thinker. It doesn't matter if there's a government doing it. It doesn't, there's no, this is, this, this is scarier. There's no head to this hydra or, or the snake. It is literally a, a chicken with no head running around freaking out. And so you'll get, so uh, there was there was a tweet where some guy uh, was applying for a company. They found out that he he was a Trump supporter and he had actively supported Trump, you know, quite heavily. So they were just like they fired him. That's where we're headed. We're headed to where the company will say something like, "Look, man, I honestly I voted for the guy, but you know the the activists, so we we can't hi hire you." And then you see what happens to Parler. What you see you see what the CEO of Parler just said. He doesn't think Parler's coming back. It he may said that. it may never return. Wow. Yep. Because no one will work with them. And the left says, see, the free market. I'm like, it's a really good yeah. point about the problems of a free market in that there could be a, an ideology behind whether or not anyone would do business with you. I mean, I would argue, I guess, philosophically, a free market is free from over overarching ideologies that would Im, you know, impede or shut down. But where we're at now, it is worse. It is the Mexican standoff of cancel culture. Every single person now, whether they like it or not, are scared about what will happen. There are companies that I know, or I should say, I have I have friends who are associated with certain companies. They like Trump, or they love Trump, or they're neutral and don't care. But they all recognize if anyone finds out, we'll lose everything. Why? Because everyone is scared of everyone else. No one knows who's going to be the person to raise the pitchfork. Why are you scared of these people? The only way this stops is if people say, I don't care. You can yell on the internet, so what? Mm. I mean, John Stuart Mill talked about the tyranny of the majority where uh, everyone sort of behaves in a way and, you know, 
clamps down on tyranny. But this is less tyranny of the majority, because I think if you ask the majority of people, do you think, uh, you know, people who support Trump should be able to have jobs? I mean, I think most people would agree with that. This is a kind of, it's tyranny of herd behavior. Right. Of a very specific group of people who are in power and all believe this. But it's a very small group of people who just happen to be running all the corporations. Yeah. It, it, is, it is people scared of being called a racist. And so they're like, but if I serve this person, then they'll call me a racist. So what? God, just grow up, man. I can't believe that there are businesses that were like, we can't do, we can't work with you, parlor. We're scared. Yeah, that's pathetic. And you know what? This is on conservatives, too. You have to vote with your dollars. Do not support anybody who would bow and bend to this herd, uh, uh, you know, what, what did you call it? Herd tyranny? Yeah, tyranny of the herd. Tyranny herd, of the herd. Herd behavior. Right. We can't, we, we, we can't do this. If someone's going to bend the knee to a bunch of screaming people, then we're not going to be able to function. All right. So you, you need to be able to run your business and stand up for what you believe in. And you know what the problem is? I think Republicans, the political party, is a spineless mess of – I'm sorry, spineless is not fair. It's a bowl of spaghetti. It's a bunch of wet noodles flopping around in Congress who for years knew this problem existed. And you know what I said in 2018? I said Republicans are too stupid to know – you know, to solve, to, they're too stupid to address the problem of big tech censorship. And that's the politicians. There are some people who have consistently brought Republicans who have brought forth bills challenging this, calling out big tech. My respect to them. But most of them have just been flopping around like wet noodles doing whatever they're told. Then you end up with someone like Jared Kushner. Brad Parscale tells Donald Trump, get on Parler, get on a different platform. And then Trump says, what do you think to Jared? And Kushner goes, no, nah, don't do it. And Trump goes, OK. And now here you are. Now, hold on. Trump's lucky. Because while he may not have had the understanding or experience to actually solve this and was getting bad advice from people like Kushner, other people saw it coming. And lo and behold, Gab.com has archived and backed up the real Donald Trump account, verified 1.2 million followers, and all of his tweets up until the point. I think there's some tweets that are missing, but for the most part, his entire account is here with videos and statements. And at any point, Trump could just use it. Now, my question is right now, why isn't Trump using it? Why doesn't he still just go on, use Gab? Yeah. There it is. Yeah. Well, they, he'd overloaded the site for sure because they're using they have their own infrastructure. But at, at a certain point, Trump should just, okay, I'll use whatever platform I can. He's one of those stupid Republicans, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think Trump's old. And he's, and, and I don't even know if he, there, there, actually, I'll tell you this. There was a uh, Donald Trump schedule post went out. I don't know if it was real. But it said something like Trump is going to be working very, very hard. He'll be working all day, working very hard. And people oh, are having, like, having many meetings, and yes. many phone calls. And people are like, did Trump write this? Like, it sounds just <laughs> like he wrote it. You, know, you saw that. I did. So, yeah. so maybe it's just that he doesn't have any advice anymore. And he's just not talking to anybody. And he's sitting around like, I don't know. Was it written in Sharpie? <laughs> well, it was, was, it was him. And we'll have uh, many, many meetings but, and phone calls. But, but this is this is great what, what, what Gab did, because even if you don't like the president or if you like the president, this is an important historical record where major events unfolded on that Twitter account that are historically relevant. So, I mean, the bigger question that you, you kind of mentioned here, what's stopping him? I don't think anything should be. I think he should be using any kind of platform that promotes he, uh, look, free speech. He just did this this statement saying like no violence and, and all that but he also said i want to call out the the, the big tech censorship well bro just go get on a, get on gab yeah go yeah. on gab yeah get on gab there you go i mean 
there, there needs to be industry-wide reform to a number of industries, including banking, including credit cards, including big tech, because you can't have the situation where you've got a two-tiered society where some people have access to the economy and some people don't. But I will say Gab.com is the one example of build your own actually working because they had many, many challenges. They lost their web host. They lost their DNS registrar, but they overcame all that. They built their own servers. They're building their own phones. And that, they're building their own phones. They built their own <laughs> web browser. Servers, uh, yeah. I mean, they're having trouble handling the traffic right now. They've got a huge surge. They're build, uh, bringing more servers online, but you know they're still up and running. They haven't taken them out. Although I will say, just today, we're seeing that, that now the desperation of uh, the people who don't want internet freedom, the Anti-Defamation League mm. has petitioned the, uh, the Justice Department to launch a criminal investigation into Gab really? for hosting violent content. Well, there you go. See, now they're trying to get into the criminal realm, but we got a constitution. We'll yeah. see how that plays out. Now, here's where it gets real, real scary. HSBC says customers who refuse to wear a face mask will have their accounts withdrawn. The lender reiterated the face masks are mandatory in all branches unless legally exempt, warning customers that noncompliance could result in accounts being closed. Now, that is where things are getting worrisome. Now, look, look. I, I got no problem wearing a mask. I really don't care. I don't know. People really don't like it. They want to defy it. I get it. Some people really are medically exempt. But the issue is not so much about, you know, but they should wear a mask. You know, it's an issue of when you threaten someone's access to the economy in general, when we're already at a point where like 99% of all currency is digital and not even physical, that people would lose the right to bank. That, that what? cancel culture. Why do we not have national banks? What's going on? Why do we have private banks all over the place? It's crazy. I mean, there's problems with national banks, too. Well, at least the government can control them. And that's us. We have the opportunity to control them and say, no, you can't censor you think American citizens. That's bank. us. You think you could petition Nancy Pelosi to do something? It's a big problem because we're in a situation where these private companies, uh, we need to protect ourselves. We need to use our government. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of using the government, but in this case... We have global private companies that are threatening our sovereignty, and we need to use our government to protect us. Right, but not national banks, probably a regulation. Well, like, well, good news on this. One of the good things that uh, Trump did right uh, just in the past few months was an order from the office of the controller of the currency, which is an office I didn't know existed. Hmm. But they uh, put out a, uh, a regulation against debanking. I'm not sure if it's gone through yet. They were doing the whole notice and comment period where they were taking in feedback from the public. But it specifically said uh, people have been trying to use banks for political reasons to uh, to withdraw service from the gun industry, uh, right. from private prisons. And this new rule essentially says that if you're going to withdraw service to someone, it must be because of financial risk. So, you know, because of defaulted loans or uh, or, you know, the the normal reasons why you wouldn't but that's, you know, extend that's, service to someone. That's good. There still is the problem that there are attacks that activists yeah. do where they use fraudulent cards to cause massive chargebacks and massive, fraud, you know. That's failure. what happened to Gab, actually. That is a right. problem. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's next? If you don't bend the knee, your bank account's going to be deleted. I yep. mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. They already did and it. I, I was, that's, that was my next point. There's a large number of people that had their bank accounts taken away because of their political opinion. And when we look at HSBC, they don't have the best reputation themselves. If you remember at Occupy Wall Street, me and you actually met a HSBC whistleblower. We actually talked about even doing a bigger story with another news organization about that that exposed uh, we were the we were the first story that kind of broke it how HSBC helped terrorist Iran Mexican drug cartels launder money. 
And that was another huge issue about this, you know, a record of this company that did awful things now lecturing us about what is right and good for you. I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous. I'm not going to take their advice seriously because they don't get to choose what I do with my own personal life. Well, look, I think, well, I think I need to change my bank account. So yeah. HSBC in the US and in the UK. Look, if, if there's a physical building, it's privately owned and they say you have to wear a mask, the extent to what their powers should be is please leave until you have a mask on. That's it. Banking needs some kind of protections. Look, man, I, I have, uh, it, it's, it's remarkable that I've always been in favor of, of curtailing map power, be it government or corporate power. So I'm in favor of regulations. I'm in favor of leveraging government against corporations that are too big, too powerful, especially individuals who would use that power and access to manipulate the political sphere. Because if we don't deal with that, and perhaps it's too late, you know, I, I've heard this, you know, in the past decade or so from the left, that it's too late to actually make a difference because we are a, what, 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 what remember that Citibank report? Do you guys remember this back in like, it was during Occupy Wall Street? They said the U.S. the U.S. government is no longer a democratic republic or a constitutional republic. It is a plutonomy where the ruling class of elites and wealthy control everything. And there was a study that showed that public perception and public opinion had no impact at all on legislation. None. And that the impact was the opinions of lobbyists and the wealthy elites. That's what Occupy Wall Street was upset with. And you know what's interesting? I actually think Donald Trump is the evolution of Occupy Wall Street in many ways. Don't get me wrong. Bernie Sanders was some of it. It's like Occupy split a little bit. Then he went to Bernie. Interestingly, though, once Bernie sold out and went full on establishment, he retained a lot of those people from Occupy, probably because their issues during Occupy was more, I don't know, social justice. But a lot of the people who supported Trump were, were many of them were Occupy Wall Street uh, activists. I remember I was at the Deplorable when, you know, just before Trump was getting inaugurated. And there were people there who saw me and they're like, hey, we're big fans. And I was like, wow, Trump supporters, you know, big fans of mine. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we were we were we were a big Occupy Wall Street activists. And I was like, really? And they're like, oh, yeah, we we this is why Trump won in 2016, because he called out the uh, the plut- plutonomy. He did call it something different. He said there's a class of global elites that get away with everything and run everything. You don't really have a, a democratic uh, republic anymore. He's basically saying the same thing that was in that report. There's, yeah. yeah. There's also a lot of Occupy Wall Street people who are like, burn it all down. Let's vote for him. Let's vote right, against right, the right. establishment. <laughs> and uh, another thing, specifically connecting Occupy Wall Street and HSBC, there was a huge backlash against the banks, specifically HSBC, for this money loan where they ended up paying a $1.9 billion fine in 2012 for that horrible action that they were caught with their pants on the laundering, on the laundering for drug cartels. Uh, so again, they when, found their yeah. cudgel, bro. Yeah. So they can get away with the worst atrocities. These big corporations, man, I love it. These big corporations, Disney, the, the thanking the uh, the paramilitary group in in, in uh, was it Xinjiang, Xinjiang yeah. where the 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 weaker Muslims are in concentration camp. Thank you for for helping us produce this movie, and then they can come out with all of their social justice narratives and statements, and everyone just rolls with it. You know what I think the reality is though? They got their useful idiots. They got their their personalities who hate Trump and and just want to own the cons and all that stuff. I think most people get it though. I think I think most people understand there's a problem with big corporations. Unfortunately, many of them got wrapped up in Trump derangement syndrome because the, 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 the strategy from the you know major media and these companies works. You just keep screaming Black Lives Matter is OK. And then you, you blame the Trump supporters for everything. And when that narrative is just repeated over and over and over, what ends up happening is you've got people who only watch mainstream news 
And every every version of a Trump supporter they see is the angry, loud, spitting, disrespectful lunatic. And they don't see a regular person. You know, they don't see a, a, a Will Chamberlain, for instance. We just referenced one of his articles. Suit wearing, lawyer, calm, very vanilla. They don't see that. Uh, excuse me. Hey, all <laughs> yeah. dressed up for this appearance. <laughs> but right, but, but like yeah. <laughs> you could you could go to a you know I was just I was just out shopping and the, the the lady you know at the store she's like a Trump supporter and she's a regular low low ladies like you know serving baked goods. They see the TV. They live in big cities, so they don't encounter very many Trump supporters. And if they do, those people won't admit it, so they don't realize it. And they watch the the CNN and they just rag on Trump all day and night. And then they're told all the riots are good, and that shapes their worldview, and they don't realize. I think you mentioned it earlier that the left and the right populists agree on a lot more than they disagree on. Mm. But it's, it's, it's an excellent way to get away with slave labor and concentration camps because all they got to do is put out their little commercial where they're like, we are for social justice and then, you know, put up a rainbow flag and they, and that's it. No outrage, no media, uh, uh, you know, complaints. And it really does come down to, you know, where you stand on the woke stuff. Where do you stand on critical race theory or feminism or so? And that's what divides a lot of people. And, you know, some people, you know, theorize that corporations support woke stuff for precisely this reason. I don't agree with that. I think they genuinely believe this stuff. But uh, it's it's inconsequential at the end of the day. And uh, this is what allows this sort of uniparty to maintain power. You, You know, you know what? Uh, I hear what you're saying. And I've just had a, a realization. I've been wrong this whole time. The woke stuff is good. It's great. Ian, did you know the Federal Federal Reserve is run by old white men? <laughs> well, let's burn it down then. No, 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 no. We need to get the old white men out and diversify the Federal Reserve. We need new rules, new regulations, and we need hard oversight to make sure that all of the people who are sitting in seats of power at the Federal Reserve are no longer there anymore because they're white men. Down with the patriarchy. Down with the patriarchy. All right, we're all in agreement. Everybody agrees that uh, uh, the banking system is run by old white men, which it is, and therefore we need diversity in the banking no, system. No, don't use evil to accomplish I'm kidding, your goals. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the joke is, I, I, I'm curious, because we, we did the mention, mention this the other day, like, where is anyone to just be like, screw it. Okay, I'm down with the wokeness. Hey, look, the military industrial complex is a bunch of white people too. Well, that's that's like using evil to accomplish your goals. That's part part of the problem with using fascism to get Trump out of office to to use social exactly. media. Right. It's like you can't, you shouldn't use evil and use fascism to defeat your enemy because it doesn't work. It's it it, it it defeats your enemy, but it keeps fascism. That's what you know. yeah. It might destroy your enemy, but you're gonna create what you use, the system you use. So if you're using hatred, you know, you're just gonna like. You know, I was I, w- I was thinking about. Uh, the banking systems and all this stuff and how really weird it is that it's just numbers typed in a computer and then a ledger keeping track of it. And that's it. That's all the money system really is. It's the, it's, it's powerful elites who run the banks, who decide who has access to resources. It's essentially what we have now in this, in this centralized banking system is a way to control absolute power in a country or countries while convincing people that they're, you know, voting in democratic institutions. And the other way to control them is, of course, the uh, the tech giants. Now that's how you control communication, and that's why they'll crush all uh, any and all comp- competition. And that's why Parler was just obliterated. If Trump, in the middle of the night, without saying a word to anyone, signed up for Parler and then posted, "Trump is here," they would not have been able to have banned Parler. It would have been too much. Too many people would have known. It would have been a major story, and it would have been too much. No, they, I think they would have done. I don't think they really cared. I think that might have even uh, made them more determined to crush power. I disagree. 
I think the story would have been it would have been too much for the average person to see that they annihilated an entire social network because Trump joined it. They got rid of Parler before Trump joined it and they used BS reasons. They, you know, Amazon said, we don't believe you'll be effective in your moderation. What does that even mean? How do you break a contract on what you believe might happen? Is it as bad? What could they do that would be worse than letting hang Mike Pence trend, which is what Twitter did? Or the fact now that it's it's starting to come out, the the Capitol uh, uh, riots was was organized on Facebook. Glenn Greenwald reported that first, and now Facebook's going, uh, well, actually, how do you answer for that? Yeah, and there's even FBI reports of a supposed war coming to the Capitol with them knowing that there was a major clash point happening there that they chose to what looks like ignore and nothing was really done about it at all. So that's yet another kind of thing to really kind of consider here moving forward. Facebook is responsible. I mean, it's not surprising. You know, if if you want to defend Facebook, by all means, you can go ahead and do it. It's the biggest platform. Everybody uses it. So, of course, they're going to use their organizing tools. The problem I have isn't to blame Facebook because they exist. The problem I have is the concerted effort from Silicon Valley to crush any any rivals using fake reasons. Like saying Parler had extremist content and they were organizing on Parler. Well, as the CEO of Parler pointed out, we have no organizing system. There's, there's no way to organize events on Parler. Facebook has events and groups. Parler doesn't. It doesn't make sense. And Amazon claimed that they didn't, they didn't believe the moderation would work. Why? Because the reality was Parler was removing the threats and the violence. They were doing exactly as they were supposed to, exactly as their rules stated, and getting rid of illegal content. So Amazon had to say, well, we don't think future moderation will be effective. Because the reality was current moderation was. And that's how they justify crushing it. And then what happens is, you know, it, you have these useful idiot sycophants. It's like, you, you guys ever watch that cartoon Recess? You ever see that? Mm-mm-mm. You don't remember Recess? Mm-mm-mm. It's about the kids in the school and it's like Recess. And there's like, uh, I can't remember the, the the old nasty teacher's name and she was really mean to the kids. And she had this little hunchback kid who was like her henchman who would always do what she wanted. Aww. That's journalism. <laughs> awesome. That's journalism, <laughs> right? It's like, it's like Igor. They're like hobbling next to the establishment elites of the corporations. Yes, Hillary, tell me what to do. Ooh, Democrats. Yes, you're a bad guy. You're a bad guy. Tell me that I'm doing a good job, Democrats. That's the media. Yeah. yeah, the media has really been an engine of big tech censorship, even more than the tech companies themselves, I think, because every time a tech company wasn't censoring enough, wasn't doing it fast enough or whatever, you'd have this huge media campaign to start an ad boycott. They did that to YouTube with the adpocalypse. They did it to Facebook just last summer because they weren't censoring enough yeah. of Donald Trump's ads. So they've tech companies have to deal with that ever-present threat. If they don't play ball, the media will start uh, uh, an ad boycott. Well, well, that's even according to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez with her statement today that who's saying that, you know, social media companies aren't censoring enough of speech, and she, quote, quote wants to rein in the media to stop the spread of disinformation. Those are her words that she used, you know, today, as, of course, she was also calling for the banning of Parler. She was also suggesting putting Trump supporters on lists so they could be, quote, held accountable for their actions. And and, and again, when we look at Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she's kind of this kind of... Uh, thought leader of the left that that's very popular that's always promoted always pushed but she's pushing for some of the worst authoritarian draconian measures that you could ever imagine and for some reason no one is even questioning it or or trying to say hey this is not a good they're idea scared of antifa not look listen you know antifa has created a culture of mainstream establishment protection to where it's 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 like what i was saying about these businesses that fall in line and ban parlor because they're scared 
CNN, MSNBC will defend Antifa. Why? Because they're terrified of them. That's why when you saw that MSNBC guy, whatever his name was, standing in front of a, a building with like 50 foot tall flames, and he goes, it's mostly peaceful. Why? He was standing around these people. Could you imagine what would happen if you walked into a crowd of Antifa and Black Lives Matter who are burning down buildings and said, these violent lunatics are destroying buildings and setting fire? They'd be like, shut them down. They were trying to obfuscate it when rioters were rioting and breaking into the CNN building in Atlanta. <laughs> They're like, oh, God. it was so it was so Peaceful amazing protest. to see the perplexing reporting that was happening when they were getting attacked in their own headquarters. And, and they were just having the most difficult time, time trying to break down what was happening here. Look, man, this is the problem that conservatives and Trump supporters have. It, it is it is the, the the powerful establishment elites are dangling keys in front of the Trump supporters in the direction of political institutions. And that's what the Trump supporters are looking at. Meanwhile, upstream where the politics comes from, the culture, the left has already taken over. And they're using that against Trump supporters. So when they when the Trump supporters go to the Capitol, everyone says that's, you know, horrible. Why would you do that? But when the left goes with pitchforks to, you know, big tech to Silicon Valley to the universities and spray paints things on the walls and starts fires and burns on whole cities, well, that scares everybody into getting whipped into line. I would in say, line. I don't well, think... Well, it was Andrew Breitbart who said politics is downstream from cult culture. Right. The question has always been, how do you change that? How do you change the culture when they you have control over the uh, institutions, the education system, Hollywood, now the big tech companies? The algorithms. The algorithms. So, I mean, so, the internet was helping for a while. Uh, I, I was saying, you know, the, the one uh, foothold that conservatives have in culture... Every single meme that millennials use probably came from 4chan or Reddit, one of these very politically incorrect places, right? But now they're shutting the internet off as well. Well, now Reddit is very far left. Oh, yeah. Reddit is now. But not always. Not always. Right. It used to be be a free-for-all. Yeah. And they purged everything. The number one post on Reddit that I saw today was a picture of Charlie Kirk saying that he's a domestic terrorist. Everyone upvote yeah. this if you agree he's a domestic terrorist. And it reached number one on all. Right. And it was shocking seeing the comments because there's a lot of Trump supporters that don't like Charlie Kirk. Yeah. And he's 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 more of the establishment kind of rhino Republican and not even the kind of outsider that a well, lot of people expect him to be. What, what I do like is I'll go on Reddit sometimes and there will be uh, uh, a Charlie Kirk meme where they make his face really small. And that's funny, though, like m- making fun of somebody and you're like, whatever. It's like, OK, you know, it's a funny meme. His face shrinks as the more he says conservative things. But when they say domestic terrorist, when they say threat to our safety, that's the kind of inflammatory rhetoric that leads to real world violence. I'm not saying they can't say it. Don't get me wrong, because I believe in free speech. I'm just saying they shouldn't be going out claiming that the right is engaging in violent hate speech <clears throat> when it's literally what they do. The crazy thing about it is. The dominant, like, you know, the front page of Reddit at the top of all, it's dominated by like four, like three different Ocasio-Cortez profiles. All they do is repost AOC's tweets and then upvote them straight to the top. Right. That's what the <laughs> Donald got banned for. And now here we are with the exact same problem, which shows the people who ran Reddit. It's funny because I used to I used to know them. I used to hang I've been I used to hang out at their offices every so often, a couple times, not like a whole lot. And they used to just be very much, you know, what people like, they like what they upvote, they upvote. And then I guess they're in a city and you had, you know, let me, let me tell you something. I talked to some very powerful democratic donors who were looking at ways to create apps that would function like social media platforms and would, but actually be like campaign tools. Like the idea at first, this is a long time ago. It was like 2014. They were like, how do we create an app for the campaign that functions like Reddit? And so I had had meetings with people and they never really went anywhere. And then to see what's happened now with the, with the astroturfing of a place like Reddit. If you post a conservative opinion or even a moderate one, 
you're obliterated. You're gone. Your comet doesn't exist. Everything is dominated by the left, but the extremist tribal left. It's not even about this. Is why this is why I said earlier it's tribalism. It's not even about economic policy. Like, think about if I came forward and I said, I believe we should have more progressive tax brackets. They'd be like, well, you're far right. <laughs> In what capacity is that far? doesn't matter. Because it's tribalism. It has nothing to do with what your politics are. It has to do with who you align with. That's like the, uh, the tribalist is like the, it's like the distant hand of the control of the culture, which is the rich people. It's the money. And it has been for probably since the beginning of time, since the creation of currency or wealth in general. It used to be gold. It was salt. And then in the 70s, they turned it into fiat. So now it's just whoever has the most numbers in their bank account. But now there's this for the last 50 years, it's been such a mind F screw that like people don't know who who controls the culture. And there's like this 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 combat or conflict at the top. And now there's cryptocurrency appearing. But it's the rich people that are controlling the culture, which then flows downstream to politics. And they're using these tribalist ventures to god forbid create war but i think maybe like the great reset and they they really want the united states to fight itself because it's it's standing in the way of like a socialist the the, the, dictatorship that the problem is where power actually lies in society has been kind of concealed for a while people still think that you know the senate or the house of representatives is really important that's really just political theater just look at how they behave with the tech giants right they bring them in for hearings every few months and then do absolutely nothing after the hearings most power now now lies in the federal bureaucracy political right. power anyway and the rest of the power lies as we've seen in the tech giants with the banks with the corporations i think it's almost like the elections i've often felt have been pointless and only after Donald Trump won did I go like, wow, you know, maybe voting is it does matter. Like, wow, I can't believe Trump won. But now I still v- feel very similarly. Trump won. And so what? No, honestly, look, he, he won. The Republicans were in power. They didn't do anything. They didn't give they didn't help Trump at all. They just sit on their hands. And I think it's basically what you said. It's 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 almost like they're, uh, uh, you know, like Queen Elizabeth. Everybody loves her, you know, in the UK. But what does she do? She is the head of state. But they say her role is mostly ceremonial. She does have the executive authority, right, to, like, override and, and make these. Yeah, but she in never theory, does. but she never does. And that's what I feel like we have now when you watch that hearing where Ted Cruz, he's like, you're censoring conservatives. And it's like, that's right, Ted. You tell him that yeah, afterwards. Yeah. What we'll are go, you going to do? <laughs> yeah. What, what are you going to do? Now, now, again, there are some Republicans who have presented bills to do stuff and then no one sponsors them. They don't get voted on. They don't go anywhere. So it's almost kind of just ceremonial at this point. Yep. Are you guys prequel fans? The Star Wars prequels? You remember how in, in, yes. in, the, in the Phantom Menace, <laughs> so the Phantom Menace somehow got politics right, okay? Because the entire first half of the movie is about the queen of the planet who's just been invaded trying to get to the Republic Senate and make her case. And when she, <laughs> and when she gets there, uh, she's asked for, she's, they demand more proof of this so-called invasion. And the chancellor says, well, he'll have a committee discuss it. Right, right, so right. It, somehow they got American politics right there. That was a oh, perfect yeah. allegory. Yeah. I, th- yeah. I think what you said about the kind of corporate elite being in charge is absolutely true. And when we really look at it, it's, it's not just a corporate elite. It's a corporate banking billionaire elite that's absolutely unaccountable and commits some of the worst human atrocities that they're, they're never held accountable for. Whether it's Monsanto, BP, Coca-Cola, Nike, they have a horrendous record of abuse of civil 
rights, of, of human rights abuses that deserve to be addressed, and yet they're lecturing us about how we should live our lives. They're lecturing us about social justice. It's absolutely absurd, but they're becoming more emboldened with what they could think that they could get away with, with telling us to do. And, I'm, and I don't understand how people are okay with this and totally forget the history of union organizers being killed by cartel members, which uh, a lot of people point directly to Coca-Cola for organizing. You see yeah. that, you see that meme? The, where... the, the left used to understand this, but then they got distracted by transgender pronouns. Yes. You see this meme where it's a, a, a pig with a monocle and a top hat? And it says, buy our product. And there's an Antifa guy and he's yelling. Mm-hmm. And then below it, it says, buy our product. But product is big and rainbow. And the person takes his mask off. He's like, oh, <laughs> I guess that I guess that works. You know, it's amazing to me how you have this tribalism on the left, which I believe is really rooted in not entirely, but mostly rooted in hating conservatives and thinking they're evil. Whereas, as the, as the saying goes, you know, uh, the left thinks conservatives are evil. The conservatives thinks that the left is misguided. Conservatives care about being left alone. Simple policy. It's often the arguments you'll hear from from right wing individuals. Not entirely. The left, they do argue for things like universal health care and stuff. But at least online, it's very much owning the cons. You do have the right version of that. But what I've noticed is that where do the seats of power lie on the left and the right? On the right, it is not the QAnon people. Certainly, they're influential in their own right, and that's kind of, you know, weird. But the most prominent voices and the most powerful and largest are like conservative ink, you know, run-of-the-mill, mainstream. Look at Ben Shapiro. He is your typical conservative. He is particularly mainstream, you know, in terms of left or right. Look at the left, though. It's Ocasio-Cortez. 12 million followers getting 100,000 concurrent views, not moderate mainstream Democrats. So the Overton window is shifted to the left. And it's remarkable when I hear the left say it's shifted right. I'm like, do you know anything about the past decade of politics? Trump, it's like less war. You know, what are you talking about? When they sent, when they, I guess, you know, it's funny. It's nationalism when you don't want to go blow up other countries. And it's a bad thing, I guess. What about, we saw, I keep thinking about the Saudi princes. Like we talk about the wealthy elite of the globe as the banking system, but how do the princes and the, the kings of Saud tie into this? Cause they say like Elon's the richest man in the world, but he's not. He's just the richest man on the books. You have the Saudi king uh, and the princes that are like trillionaires. You know, they own the country and all the people in it. Um, and w- the United States sold them a bunch of weapons like Trump, Trump yeah, but that's, sold that's, out, sold us out to Saudi Arabia. That, he, that's not Trump. It's it's, it's he, the U.S. He did a weapons o- pres- deal. With and it's the U.S. O- it's the office of the president. He authorized it. includes it. Trump, but it's Trump. It's 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 Obama. It's Bush. It's Clinton. When you it's said all the, of them. When you yeah. said he was like a holdover of Occupy Wall Street, I don't agree. I just think he happened to be rich, but he's a sellout. He would no, have sold think, us out in a heartbeat. He I, did. No, I think Trump was a raging bull that was stampeding through the ivory tower. And so what Occupy Wall Street people were like. This is really interesting because it's split. You had Bernie Sanders challenging the machine, but then he joined the machine. And then you had Donald Trump, who was this wealthy billionaire elite, who then started ranting and raving about how he didn't like it and challenging the establishment. It's kind of weird how that twist occurred. But I think you had a lot of people from Occupy who eventually just threw their arms in the air and said, send in the bull. Like, you know what, man, what's going to fix this? Just have him romp about for a little bit. Yeah, yes, I mean, that's exactly so, what happened. So, so here's my here's my take on Trump. I mean, he was, as you said, you know, the the raging bull. He couldn't be controlled. He was genuinely outside this system, uh, and they couldn't control him. But once he actually got power, he just got com- kind of completely ruled by the establishment. Uh, you know, they got all the establishment Republicans got their people in the administration, and nothing really started happening until the last year of the administration. 
You know, you know, you know anyway. who I think is one of the most evil people on the planet is Jack Dorsey. I really do mean it, especially having talked to him a couple years ago. And we've had some chat back and forth on Twitter and Twitter DMs and stuff. I think his whole shtick is doing dramatically evil things and then, you know, putting up, putting a layer, you know, covering it up and burying it under some, you know, lie about wanting to be better and, and do the right thing and how we're just, it's so hard for us because he's got this statement he just put out. Lydia pulled it up. Where he talks about, he says, I do not celebrate or feel pride in having to ban real Donald Trump from Twitter. We're trying so hard to to build a new system, blah, blah, blah. I don't believe it. I think Jack is completely self-centered. He is completely authoritarian. He's one of the worst possible iter- like uh, like versions of this idea of I'm smarter than you and I know it, you poor stupid person. So you think he's like a modern uh, Robespierre? No, not necessarily. I mean, Robespierre was psychotic. He wasn't at first. They called him the uncorruptible. <laughs> so yes, you're, so you're but, saying when Twitter tweeted yesterday that they strongly condemn internet shutdowns that are, quote, <laughs> hugely harmful because they violate basic human rights and the principles of the hashtag open internet, that they weren't genuine and honest? This is I got, psychological I got ha- abuse. Where it's the ver- it's the sa- it's 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 a, it's a it is as if he is punching you repeatedly in the stomach while saying he's so sorry, but it's your own fault and for your own good. It is psychotic what Jack has consistently done for the past several years, promising roads to redemption and decentralization and blockchain technology. We're going to do all these great things. We're going to help everybody. He is the spokesperson for gaslighting duplicitousness. And that's what he's doing right now. Twitter nuked 70,000 accounts and they were not QAnon accounts. One of them was Carrie Smith's account, Unsafe Spaces, which was just an intellectual dark web kind of middle of the road, liberal anti-woke account. There was also uh, a po- some, some podcasts that were center left, but anti-woke that got banned. And then Jack comes out and says, oh, but we're trying so hard. No, what he's doing to you is smacking you across the face. And then he's saying, it's for your own good. Why do you make me do this to you? Yeah. And he says it every single time. And you keep going back to him. I, I am so sick of Twitter. I'm, uh, I said it before. I was like, I'm not going to use it. And I started using it again, but I'm, I really do mean it that when I said I wasn't going to use Twitter meaningfully any, anymore, I'm just going to post whatever I, I did it. I did whether I used to post my videos. I used to post articles. I used to actively engage. Now I've slowed all that down. I'll still post some articles here and there. I think are important, but now I just basically, I've been trolling. It's really what I do. I'll post something like I, you know, I tweeted, if history has taught us anything, it's always trust the government to, to let us know about the ongoing legitimacy of the legitimacy of all these threats and to give up their power. And I just don't care anymore. Twitter is a trash platform led by extremely wealthy, manipulative authoritarians who think you are all too stupid to run your own government. And, and he knows it. You know what? He can keep doing this. But I think people realize that he's full of it. That tweet about Uganda coming right after this election, where just a couple months ago, Twitter blocked one of the most consequential stories of this election to protect Joe Biden. The Hunter Biden story was blocked and shut down. The New York Post was suspended. And then Jack is like, well, it's a really hard decision. Hack materials. Shut up. I've got active tweets right now that are very serious violations of the twi- of Twitter's rules that are a threat to me and my family. They will not remove. Why? And Jack knows me because they are evil people who don't care. They are duplicitous authoritarians. I am sick of Twitter, man. I'm sick of reading about what Jack is lying to about this time. Meanwhile, he's making all this money and he doesn't actually care to help anybody. Oh, but you know what they do? These ultra wealthy people use that extraction of resources. Like everything that's been happening over the past year, where they've extracted all of our resources. They love it. 
And then what do they do? You get people like Mackenzie Bezos dumping all of it into more manipulative, fundamentalist, leftist dogma. And it's only it's just going to keep going. Now, I'll tell you what the solution is. Gab's got it. Gab's got it right. Persuasion. It is it is about being resourceful, clever and doing hard work. Gab built their own infrastructure. Try and take them down. They're going to keep doing it. That's what you got to do. The other thing I think is when we talk about politics being, you know, downstream from culture and you, you, you said, how do you solve that? It's easy. Go further upstream. If someone is, is taking a dump in your water supply and you're like going to get a bucket of water from the river and there's like poop floating in it, you got to go further upstream to get your water. Yeah. Max Kaiser says whoever has the Bitcoin makes the laws. It was in clever in relation to who has the money makes the laws. But in the future, it's going to be the. The crypto yeah uh there's there's talk about government regulated like government coins like cryptocurrency made by governments so usdc well china just announced that they're working on a global currency to release for everyone out there so again as we said cryptocurrency could be something great could be something that could be used to enslave a lot of people to track trace and database people in a very easy system now when we look at twitter's announcement especially with the QAnon people they made sure to specifically say not just QAnon people but QAnon associated content very vague very generalized language no accountability no transparency, no court of law, no reason given to individuals. Hey, why were you banned? None of that. And at least, if you're going to do it, at least justify it. At least give some recourse, give some reason, give some explanation. But these people are so emboldened that they're like, we don't even have to tell you why. We're destroying your livelihood. We're destroying your communications. We're destroying your way of life, being able to actually get your ideas out there to the political discourse. We don't have churches anymore. We don't have bars. We don't have any way to communicate and talk to our fellow man except for Twitter. They are the monopoly. They are the highway. They control it. They have a toll booth, and they are family-friendly show. I have other language I want to use here, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stop right He's here. Polish. No, I, I don't think... I, Polish, I, I, could I curse in Polish? I don't think so. I would but love I think to. You, I think you can actually no. be a bit more disparaging in Polish because they they'd have to be like, can we get someone who knows Polish in here? You're gonna have to saying? translate a whole bunch <laughs> of. Uh, I can't even say it. But don't whatever. go over the top, but say something. Say, say criticize them in Polish. Some jebane, who yet so nie wiedzą co się kurwa dzieje w świecie. I heard one word. I believe that. <laughs> The only, the one of one of the only one of the few words I know in Polish, I think you said, right? Yes, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's hard did. to control it because it's like <laughs> it's like in uh, uh, what, uh, what 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 show was it where the whenever the lady would get mad, she would start speaking Spanish. She would yell at her husband. Do you remember that? I don't remember what it is. Whatever. Uh, also, also how they do these mass bannings is quite insidious, extremely yeah. insidious because it's it shows you how you can't separate the privacy issue from the censorship issue. It's because they know so much about us that they can pinpoint exactly who all the Trump supporters are on the platform. But also think about this. They can also pinpoint who the undecided voters are. So imagine how they're using that information in addition oh, to I'll, using I'll, the former to ban people. Yep. I'll tell you something funny. Um, there was, you know, Donald Trump posted to YouTube and they immediately took it down and then suspend, gave him a strike and suspended him. So I saw people posting about what Trump had posted. And they were saying, someone posted, like, I saw the video. It was crazy. It was Trump saying, like, God calls on you to, to, to come and save this country on the 20th. And I was like, what? Did Donald Trump post a video? That's crazy. So I looked for it. Couldn't find it. I eventually found a video claiming to be the original video. And that's what it said. It said, this is the video. And it was like, on the 20th, you know, God has given you a calling. And it was like crazy stuff. So I posted it in a group chat. With some other reporters and personalities asking if anybody knew what the video was, some people are saying this is it. And do you know what these other people saw? 
It just said this video, this link has been removed due to being suspicious. So they couldn't actually, some people could see it, some people couldn't. And then it turns out the, the, the rumor is right now, Trump posted a snippet from his speech, his statements he made at the, at the, at the border wall. So I don't know exactly what that video was, but even in private messages, they're banning things. I'll tell you one thing really funny. I often send myself things on, on Facebook. I'll use it as like a notepad. So if like, if someone sends me a story and I need to keep track of it, or if I'm looking at something to buy, I'll like just send it to myself. And I recently was looking at, I, I sent myself a link to like buy, I don't know, it was like a panini press or something. And then I went in my messages and I was looking for the link. And then I noticed it said, this has been removed or whatever. I sent it to myself. Facebook went into my message to myself as a, as a reminder and removed what I was trying to remind myself of. And I don't even know what it was. It was probably a link to BitChute or something. It's okay. kind of like we're in the Matrix in the movie. We're on the ship. And we're talking to people in the Matrix, and they're like, I'm being censored. This Matrix is censoring me, and you can't be like, go use this other Matrix program in the Matrix, because it's all in the Matrix. You have to leave the Matrix. The proprietary me? software with these a a algorithms, these proprietary algorithms, are tracking you. Yeah. And they're 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 moving you around, dude. Yeah. You know what's so annoying? Oh. We, we turned on we turned on the TV a couple nights ago, and there was a commercial. It's my TV, yep. and all we ever watch is like Family Guy, and we got a Puppy Chow commercial. Yeah, what? yeah. Well, How hold would they hold know? on, hold no. on. I have not posted about the dog. I have not. I've not posted anything about dogs. I it, Luke got a dog. Yeah. I I'm exploiting it to the fullest extent on my Instagram on Luke. We are changing, but oh, yeah. but but. Uh, no, but why is it that my account on my TV? Yeah. When I opened it up, a commercial played for the dog TV. Food. Heard the dog, and bark. I was yeah, watching the, the TV. Barking. That must yeah. be it. Yeah. But so they say that they're not actually spying on audio, and that it's artificial intelligence that knows. Is it possible that the the AI is so smart it knew that yeah, I? It's tracking Luke. It knows that Luke has a dog. Probably. It's right. A new puppy. Also, um, if you that's what it. No, you know what? Well, you're you're completely right. It probably saw that Luke and I are friends on Facebook. That we've actually been in the same place at the same time. We're on a show together. And Luke yeah. went to a dog place. And yep, and it's it's not so much about knowing we're on a show. It's about the GPS being identical and about us being friends and about Luke yeah. posting about dogs. Well, we went to that puppy store that had that. Uh, there it is. That dog that there we were considering getting, and we never did. We went to a a uh, puppy store, and. My phone probably logged the uh, Knew you the location, and, and a, then they put a commercial up for it. There's a beautiful yeah. dog there that we almost got, by the way, but we didn't. But there was also, Couple. yeah, there, a labradoodle. Th there was messages that I tried to send you regarding defensive measures and defensive stuff that I couldn't send to you. I remember trying to send you like, hey, we should probably get this, and then the link never went through, which just shows you that it's not just it's not just censorship; it's also knowing everything about you that that should terrify someone because these companies are getting more and more powerful because data is becoming the new oil. And when we look at a lot of industries, they're absolutely dominated with knowing who a customer is, what they're doing. And with that power, they could do a lot of incredible things. And I, I remember this even before Donald Trump was on the political scene, that there was mainline data scientific studies talking about how Facebook and Google could rig elections. This was even before Trump. They were talking about how they could just manipulate the algorithm, manipulate manipulate the search results, and they could have an effect on elections that could sway it in either direction that they chose it to go to. This, the, the, yeah. the CEO of Reddit said it. 
Yeah. He gave an interview and he's like, oh, yeah, we could totally swing an election. He's like, we we couldn't get away for it for too long, but we could totally do it. And there was discussion like, they saying, probably did. I yeah. bet Reddit tried to do that. Google certainly did it. Yeah. But for a little bit, there was discussion saying, hey, this is too much power. We should regulate this. We should stop it. We should intervene. We should break up the monopolies. But that conversation lasted for about five minutes and then it ended and no one else even talked about it after those data studies came out. Because they block it. Yes. They're like, oh, no, people are going to break us up. Quick, change dangle keys in front of them on facebook show them police brutality very comfortable they feed you nice steak that you think tastes good they want you they want to keep you inside and get, make you rich so you can exit the matrix rich you can exit the matrix or you can ban the matrix so can we talk for a moment about how twitter somehow managed to make the dictatorial government of uganda look like the sympathetic party <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. right yeah that's so, a good point that you bring so, up here because the, the the tweet that i referenced was specifically towards an open internet but just for uganda not for anyone else <laughs> yeah i mean the the argument i think the ugandan government is using which again these are brutal dictators but the argument they're using is well we don't want these companies coming and interfering in our election banning our government ministers from their accounts yep. and uh again brutal dictatorship but are they wrong though because tech companies are, I think, I, this is pretty well known now, they are arms of U.S. influence well, abroad. Think about – oh, no, go ahead and finish it. In fact, one of the uh, – probably my favorite quote from the book is from a government insider who told me that before Trump, the, uh, the State Department and the foreign policy elites saw uh, these tech platforms or social media freedom as a means of achieving regime change abroad by allowing dissidents to speak by allowing uh, information to get out uh, around the authority, the uh, the government-approved channels. But as soon as Trump comes along and Brexit comes along and populism comes along, suddenly they start to worry, well, uh-oh, our regime yeah. might get changed. Well, it's, it's not that. What we've learned from the statement on Uganda was that they like the idea of using social media to control elections. That's it. It's, it's, not, it's not inconsistent. They don't want twitter to be banned because they want to manipulate the ugandan elections and they want they want twitter to be the monopoly in the united states so they can manipulate elections it's the same thing and the timeline here matters because correct me if i'm wrong it was first ugandan government officials that were banned by twitter and facebook then they decided to shut down facebook and twitter and now facebook and twitter are working with the state department to bring back social media into uganda and then we also have to understand there's a lot of also fingerprints with the state department working with social media when it comes to the arab spring when it comes to ukraine and other very important geopolitical battles that were happening that I would argue the the tech oligarchs and State Department were working for the favor of the U.S. in many of those key instances that do deserve to be looked at right now. So the, yeah. the way the State Department influence works uh, is, you know, they have the, all these NGOs that they send to countries, and these NGOs are how they do political organization. Uh, they also, you know, fund media outlets and so on. And social media allowed them to supercharge those efforts inside whichever country they were targeting. That's, that's why that, they like it. That's what got me uh, booted from Venezuela. Some Occupy activists on Twitter started tweeting at a bunch of Venezuelan personalities that I worked for USAID and was in Venezuela to subvert and overthrow the revolution. That's what they said, to overthrow the revolution. And I'm literally just some dude who went from Vice. And I, I chose to. Like, no one at Vice told me to do it. I said, hey, I want to go to Venezuela. And they're like, all right, go for it. That's an interesting so. um, perspective that if you ban the Matrix, it doesn't necessarily mean you're righteous. Like, evil, there can still be chaos and destruction in the real world, in in the Matrix world, where we're on the ships. You know, there can be pirates and, and 
dictators and things like this Ugandan dictator, apparently. I don't know much about him. Um, so the Matrix is an evil. It's just a powerful tool. Yeah, that happens to be under the control of America, which is why Ugandan dictators don't like it. Or and, Venice, and, or Venezuela. And, and we say America, but I mean, what is America at this point? Corporate, uh, corporate b- yeah. banking billionaire elites. Yeah, that have like hijacked the U.S. military. It's really not America. They just have control of our military. I really do think that uh, it's it's almost like they want to make sure there's a permanent underclass that there's no upward mobility, like creating a new royalty. They're the elites. They're the ones who get to walk freely in Congress and, and through the Capitol. They're the ones who get special exemptions from the rules and the law and things like this. And so everything they're doing with destroying the economy, it results in certain jobs become like make certain individuals making more and more money. And it results in the regular working class people being completely destroyed by it. And when the wealth of, say, your your average you know middle American is destroyed, their chances of moving up and improving their lives becomes zero, basically. But the elites who control assets don't lose that. So, so think about it this way. If you're rich and you're worried about the economic collapse, it's real easy. You put your money into something. You take, your, you take a bunch of your liquid you know, assets, assets. You buy hard assets. You buy property. You buy resources. You buy the means of production. Then the working class people who have a small savings need to buy food. They can't afford to put their money into something safe. So they lose their wealth. They lose their access. They lose control. So it's almost like the bottom's being pulled out, but the rich people have a bar to hang on to, and the people down below don't. Yep. They fall down. Well, they've been doing this. They've been, they've been stealing from a lot of people through the process of inflation and deflation. When the market is high, they sell. When the market is low, they uh, uh, obviously buy up a bunch of goods. And we have to understand, a lot of these people, a lot of these kind of, whether it's the Federal Reserve, a lot of the bigger banks, they know what's going to happen ahead of time because they're the ones setting this policy and they could decide, I'm going to sell it all, I'm going to buy it all. And they've been doing this kind of but, system ever since we got rid of the gold standard. But, here, but what you need to understand is it's not a conspiracy as though like a bunch of bankers get together and go, we're going to tank the market. No, what happens is they'll put out their statement saying, here's when we think this will happen, here's what we're going to buy. And then all of the big banks make a massive move, which will drop the values of certain things. And then when people panic sell, because people just do, they buy it up. Case in point, Bitcoin recently yeah. fell yeah. down to 30. And it was funny. It was at like 31. And a bunch of people I saw uh, you know, were tweeting at me saying things like, I'm going to sell now and then buy back when it's at the bottom. And then within a few hours, it went right back up to 35. And I was like, well, if you sold, you screwed yourself. Yeah. The, the market cap went from $1 trillion to $840 billion. It lost $160 billion. Don't quote me on the exact numbers. So I think there was a coordinated sell-off of $100 billion but it's that not, a bunch it, of people made. But it wasn't coordinated in the sense that like a bunch of guys got together it's and tough said, to say. It could have no, no, been. It's, it's but not. It happens. What you say definitely happens. It may have also been coordinated. I don't know. It just seemed very... What happens is you 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 have an avalanche. You have all of this. It's piling up. And then there are people ready to buy at certain numbers. One person happens to hold a large amount of coins because he's a miner, perhaps, or it's a company. They put it all up for sale at, at a certain price yeah. to make all that money, and then it causes everything to just cascade There's down. There's machines that are watching, and they'll, exactly. they'll trigger cells. And then what happens is it's human psychology. Regular people who have invested what little they had panic, and then they sell it all. And that's how the wealth gets transferred to the wealthy, because people panic. It's like, this is why I, don't, I, don't, I love going to casinos. We recently went to a casino, and I, I got... Man, it was amazing. I put like 20 bucks down on high card flush and won like 800 bucks. And I started tipping like crazy. It was amazing. I don't like playing poker, though. You know why? 
because I, I used, you know, I used to, I used to have a lot of fun playing poker. I used to play Magic the Gathering. So if you're good at like reading people, then you'd, you'd be great at poker. But you're taking money from yeah, poor people who don't know the what they're exact doing. Same way, dude. Yeah, it's like the, you make money off the the people, not the house. I like playing against the house. I I lose. I go to casinos for fun. I don't go there to make money. But I don't like the idea of ripping off the working class people who don't know what they're doing. So I'm always advising people. You need to know what you're doing. You need to get sound advice. Don't get it from me, but just, you know, panic yeah. is, is where they rip you off. Yeah, and don't listen to the mainstream media that was telling you that Bitcoin's dead. It's over. It's oh, never coming amazing. back. And I've, I've been seeing those articles for years now, and I've been kind of, you know, combating it in my own way. But as we said on the show a couple of days ago, again, not financial advice, but it's usually not the best thing to buy high and to sell low. That's what usually the average person does. It's, it's not a good strategy. Well, but when you look at the mainstream media and their talking points, that's what they tell you to do. They, well, I, they I go to Four Chan's Biz Board for my financial <laughs> advice. <laughs> I didn't when know you, that when, when you see lots of the pink Wojaks where they're all freaking out, saying the stonks are going down, <laughs> that, that's when you buy <laughs> stonks. You know, I, I love this one article said Bitcoin investors could lose everything. I can't believe I, it's like it's so obvious what that was. They were trying to scare new investors into selling everything, and it worked. And then the price dropped. They, they, they bought high and then the price tanked while they panicked. And then the, the people with access and means bought all of it back up. And now it's going right back up to 40K. I say it happens all the time. So I'm not going to tell you what you should do or give you advice. I'll tell you what I'll do. When I buy Bitcoin, I just sit on it. I, you're supposed to hold, hold on for dear life. But anyway, I digress. You know, we got into the Bitcoin conversation again, just because it's been so prevalent. The reality is consistently those with lots of money can sit on it and protect it. And use it to grow their their resources and control and power. And everything we're seeing with the lockdowns and everything we're seeing with you know these 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 uh, these bailouts, all it does is strip what little the working class have. And you know what the problem is? Many of these people are cheering for it and clapping, thunderous applause. The wealthy are like, "We want to steal all your money," and they go, "Yay!" And then they do. When you say like, go upstream from from uh, money, if if you really want to solve, you mean from culture. Well, you want to go upstream from culture. And I was like, well, the rich people are what are controlling culture. Upstream from that, it led me to crypto. But what's what's no, no, above no, 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 no. that? Is it, is it steel mills and no, it's producing iron culture. mines and weapons? It's producing culture. But what does that mean? So if there, are, if there are, are, if there's a stream of cultural issues that ends with a political policy and someone is throwing garbage in the river, then produce culture above them. It's like the strongest gorilla. What is the one who dictates the culture of the of the tribe? And I mean, kind of, I guess. I'm just saying that's how it worked back in the day. People now, need to be persuasive and resourceful. You need to have access and means and confidence, and you do that by inspiring and building culture, by teaching people to do things that are fun. But I'll tell you what really drives one one of the, one of the things that really drives people is being cheered on by others. It feels good when you have a crowd of people like clapping for you. People love it. It's why skateboarding is is so great. You go to a skate park, and you don't got to be the best skateboarder in the world. But if people see you, maybe you've only been skateboarding for a few months, you finally learned how to kickflip, and you're really bad at it. Kickflip is like a basic trick for those who don't know. You could be at a park. It's clear that you're not that good, and you're trying as hard as you can to land this kickflip. When you finally do, everyone will cheer and clap for you. It's not about you being the best. It's about you overcoming yourself and doing better every day. But then if you are really, really good, you go there, you know when you skate and you do well, people cheer and clap for you. It's a very positive environment. Some kids can be nasty. That's what we need. We need people who oppose the wokeness and the creepy, you know, cancel culture stuff to mock it and make it desirable for people to mock it. 
to belittle it, to have a good time. This is why comedy is so powerful. So we need more comedians like Ryan Long, for instance, who routinely rocks, not uh, mocks, not just the left, but also the right on occasion, making it fun to say the extremism is stupid, to, to make it a point that you will be cheered for and celebrated and successful if you tell the crazy people to stop or you, you point out their absurdities. And like being an artist in general, I think is a great way to control the culture. But then the money, the rich people are going to come to you once you succeed and they're going to try and buy you out. And, and it works. All, well, not always, but it, it's it's very tempting. I don't know what you do with all that money. Some of these people get some of these 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 big brands and the, and the sponsorships they've done. I don't want to name anybody, but there's like, you know, YouTubers who have endorsed political candidates who are like who are not political. That's like, look, I do news commentary and politics. So for me saying who I'm going to vote for, I think is, is on me. But there are like non-political YouTubers who are like, I'm going to vote for Hillary Clinton or whatever. And it's like, now, why are you doing that? There's no incentive for you to turn off Minecraft and start talking about Hillary Clinton. That makes no sense. So it, that, that to me sounds like it was a paid endorsement or something. And that's when you start getting into dangerous territory. But, I, I, you know, it is what it is. People are going to take sponsorships for whatever. And they're not going to think twice about it. Well, it's also it's also quite profitable. You want to win the if you're not that political, maybe you just want to win the favor of the elites at YouTube or at these entertainment companies, because, you know, the way to do that is the virtue signal. Yep. Yeah. I'm. You know, I I know that, you know, it's, it's deep seated in uh, YouTube and Google, this leftist and this woke stuff. But I do think that there are I think most people don't like it. I really, really believe that's true. The problem is, I think they're all just terrified and they're cowards. And, I, and, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be mean, but there's there's somebody who's willing to say, I'll say what I want when I want. And it tends to be Trump supporters are all getting banned because they'll just say what they want. They don't care. And they're the people on the left, tra uh, traditional liberals. They tell me behind the scenes all the time. I have, I have business calls with people who work for companies peripheral to Google or within Google. And they're like, we love your stuff, man. We completely agree about this. You know, we're fans of like George Carlin and Chappelle. But oh, man, I don't know. I lose my job. And I'm like, yeah, you're a coward, bro. I think you're mm -hmm. right that it stems from fear, like um, whether they're afraid because they don't understand big the way that the technology works. So the, the unknown creates like a fear of the unknown. So they just go along with it or they're afraid or they're more viscerally afraid of actually being banned themselves. But I think the fear of not understanding how politics works, how laws are written, how we should teach kids how to write laws. I don't think they care about that, though. The, I think I think the concern is, are the people going to be mean to me? It's just very disempowering to not know, to not understand how the how the power structure works. I, I think they just don't want to be fired. They don't want to be mobbed by the social justice warriors. Well, they know that if they and, get if they get fired for being anti woke, they're not going to get a job ever again. Indeed. So and what? Grow the, up. The biggest polling error in uh, I agree with that. They they should grow up. I mean, you know. Uh, people endured a lot worse. Go for, work for, uh, for Veritas for or political, Breitbart. Blow the whistle on this stuff. Uh, for, uh, for political activities. But the biggest polling error by far in the 2020 election was the white middle class, not the white working class. Uh, they actually predicted the white working class vote pretty well, the pollsters. But they missed the, the white middle class vote by, I think it was about... Uh, over 20 point polling error really yes it was it was massive it was well, the biggest what, what polling did they expect and what was the re reality they were expecting to be split pretty evenly between uh uh biden and trump in fact it was like over 20 points in favor of trump from uh, wow. white middle class uh voters um uh what's what is the middle no i think it was actually employment so i uh, don't quote me on that it was it was employment are they, are they in white collar jobs rather than blue collar jobs oh okay okay right on and uh that makes perfect sense to me because the people in white collar jobs are most afraid of the wokeness yeah, because they'll they'll 
It's not. It's not just that uh, they will take your job from you. It's that they will salt the earth to make sure you can never have a job again. And that's what people are afraid of. And uh, really, you know what, man? Whatever. Look, I guess when you're you're accustomed to a certain comforts, it's really easy to scare people into losing all of it. You know, so they grow up and they have this middle class life and they get a white collar job and they got their 401k and they get married and they have kids and they're like, heaven forbid, I have to actually live like humans lived 100 years ago. It's scary. I get it. You don't know how to survive on your own anymore. You don't know how to grow your own food or hunt or anything like that. And it's not necessarily something we should be doing. We have this you know, wonderful technology and access. But the worst case scenario for getting fired from a job for standing up for this is not going to hunt and becoming a wild man with your wild family. It's literally just getting a crummier job or something, or I don't know, going and working for a company that will let you work for them. But too many people are just scared. And I think it's, it's, it's kind of sad. It's cowardly. And, um, you know, what, what is the saying? All that is required for evil to win is for good men to do nothing. Yep. Good people to do nothing. And there's the other quote, uh, what is it? Uh, let it never be said that a small group of determined people can't change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that's ever have that, that ever has. So how many people are just sitting on their hands saying it won't be me because I'm too scared. And what happened to the people who are like, I'm going to get on a boat for three months with limited resources and crash onto the shores of an empty country. Just figure it out. Think mm. about the people who are on that boat coming from Europe, uh, going to the North America or going anywhere else. You had no idea what you were going to see when you got there. In fact, the first group that landed, you know, in, in New England is just rocks and trees. And they're like, get to work. One glimmer of optimism uh, I saw last year is something that could potentially give more people courage. Because what, what makes people less cowardly? What gives them courage? I think it's when they see people that the media tries to cancel, but uh, it completely fails to do so. And there right. were so many examples of this last year, actually. They tried to cancel Michelle Malkin. Both conservatives and liberals tried to cancel her. They failed. She actually got her show on Newsmax off, like a few weeks after that. So <laughs> utterly failed. She got more opportunities. They tried to cancel Jack Posobiec. They tried to cancel Peter Thiel. Uh, Darren Beatty, they tried to cancel him. He actually got uh, a new White House appointment. Wow. And, the, and the White House essentially told the, uh, the media to, uh, to F off when they, uh, you know, said, Good. started to start an outrage cycle over that. So the more examples you have like that of people the media tries to cancel and just completely fails at it, I think the more courage you'll yeah. see from ordinary it's people. I think Trump is another example. Why people are supporting him so hard right now is because they're trying to cancel him from social media. And now they're trying to impeach him and cancel him from politics. So people yeah. are like, no, well, resist. If you can do it, I can do it. Well, this is I, I want to kind of talk to your point because of what you were saying about people kind of paying the mortgages and trying to make ends meet. A lot of these people are controlled that way. They're controlled in other ways. But a few years ago, I got drunk and hammered with the white house press corps the conversation was off the record a lot of them are alcoholics i won't be naming names oh, or course. saying what they they uh, who they who they are specifically well you just said all but, of them uh well majority of the white house press white house press corps a couple years ago i'm not going to be specific let, let, here let conversation pause. was off the record let me pause real yeah. quick journalists are notoriously alcoholics no joke yeah. yeah when i worked for vice there was like a jaeger machine on the counter and people had liquor bottles all over the place no huge joke. Sub substance abuse problem amongst journalists also depression rates but that's a whole nother story to get into and after getting hammered with with them we were talking i, I won't name the specific person they were like hey man look i have a family i have a daughter i have to pay off my bills i just got to do what i'm told and that's exactly what i'm doing so that was the major sentiment from a lot of them that were breaking down 
and telling me how they have no kind of free will to even express ideas that they want to express or investigate stories that they want to investigate. Oh. And they're like, you know, I like your work. I, 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 I love you, but I, I can't even tell anyone because I'm afraid of uh, this kind of chilling effect going on of even mentioning you. And they all well, just that's need That's why to they're quit. depressed alcoholics. Exactly. I mean, it uh, yeah. must be very demoralizing being essentially the inquisitors of the elite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All they have to do is all stand up and say, nah, I'm not interested. But they, but they, they value money and uh, wealth and access over integrity, honor, t- honor, and loyalty. So, just I, to be clear, I'm not feeling sorry for mainstream journalists. No, 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 no. Uh, I have, I have contempt and disdain for these people because when given the choice between standing tall and saying, you know, I refuse, they say, just write the check. I'll say whatever you want. Give, give, give me the money, and I'll do whatever you want me to do. It's, it's really funny. There are, you know, certain YouTube personalities. And certain left-wing personalities who absolutely did this when it came to uh, Weave. You're familiar with Weave? Oh, the 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 the, uh, hacker. the hacker with the uh, notorious tattoo. Yes, the notorious tattoo from <laughs> you know World War II Germany. So you know what? 2012, 2013. There were many left-wing activists who were praising him, and, and to a certain degree, I don't want to act like they were saying he was a good person outright. But they were defending him. They were hanging out with him. They were laughing with him. They were taking photos with him. They're on couches, smiling and hugging and all that stuff. And then when we got into deep into the culture war with the fascists and the far right, these people immediately were like, I, I, I never know. I, uh, I hate him. I, I'm like, dude, you guys were like shoulder and shoulder singing songs together. Like, don't play that game. No, you're cowards. And then there was, uh, uh, Quinn Norton, who's a journalist when she got hired by the New York Times. And then the, the, the left tried canceling her saying she's friends with Weave. She said, F you, Weave's my friend. And I was like, wow, now that's a spine. That is integrity. And then she ended up resigning because of it, because the, the new, because New York Times is cowardly and, and they're pathetic. So, you know, look, you get, you, you get, you get to make a choice. Do you have values? Are you a person of good moral standing or are you a spineless wet noodle who will just fold at the sign of, of, of any threat or any risk? Talk about weakness, man. Well, I, I have values like, Jesus, I want to go in there to the temple and flip the tables over and scream at the merchants for ripping us off and, and creating this usury, but I don't because I will be executed. No, that's so different. These people are in a position where they can't flip out, like Luke was saying. No one's telling them to flip out no. and, and destroy things. Well, well, they can't express themselves genuinely. They can't ask questions. They can't, uh, you know, go through the normal thinking process they have to literally read a script in many instances they, they can't say there are two genders yes. i would rather yeah. die on my feet than live on my knees well that's why a lot of these people have huge substance abuse problems and uh you know for a lot of them i just feel sorry for them to be honest with you to an extent i do but i also think if you are going to be a wet noodle and just give up because someone's being mean to you. Well, then why should I defend you? You, sh- you don't have to defend, but the empathy is key. The, having the empathy doesn't mean that you feel bad for them or that you agree with them. It just means that you understand what they're going through. Of course. Through. I just explained yeah. it. I understand exactly what they're going through. And I think their only way out is to stand up and say no. But they won't do it. There's more than just that, I would imagine. Uh, I disagree. Well, this is why they're so afraid of social media, because on social media, you can create these kind of preference cascades yep. very easily. Yep. A preference cascade, yep. you know, it's when people have all these preferences that they're hiding because they're afraid of p- other people judging them. And, and calling them out and, yep. and leaving comments, breaking down their illusion and the bullcrap that they get paid by special interest to push. Now, yep. if you remember this, in the early kind of onsense of the Internet, every website had a comment section. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. No, th- th- this is when like, I yeah. first realized that there was yeah. a movement building against free speech. Yeah. Journalists responding mm-hmm. to comment sections. And I was like, mm-hmm. the, the comment section is amazing because every bullcrap article that was pushing an agenda was automatically called out, upvoted. People are saying this is bullcrap because of this level. Look at this evidence. Go to this website. And then what happened? They started slowly and surely getting rid of the comment sections yep. everywhere on all the mainline mainstream media publications. It, it, and now it's... Curated and, and one, one of the debut articles on Breitbart Tech when we launched in 2015, one of the first articles we published on that vertical, the war on comment sections. Yep. That was one of the first signs of what was coming. And then remember, Gab launched, it was a dissenter. Yeah. Universal Dissenters. comments for all articles. And they went after Gab like crazy because that was it. When you can read the comments, you were like, really? So they had to get rid of it. Mm. Instantly, it banned from uh, every browser extension yep. store. Yep. Yep, what is great technology. Yeah. And, and yep. then they then okay, and then this is why Gab is kind of bored. then they kind of built their own browser. They they used open source Chrome code, yeah. right? And then made the Gab browser. Yeah, building their own so, so it's like brave. their own social network, their own servers, their own browser, their own comment section, their own phone. They're, they're, they're very, very resourceful. <laughs> right. I think I'm yep. gonna get on Gab. Yeah. Yeah, well, Donald Trump's there. I don't. He's not really posting or anything like that. Well, let's okay, uh, let's 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 jump over to super chats. If you have not already, smash that like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell. We are live Monday to Friday, eight p.m. And now we go to the portion of the show where we take your comments and read what you say, as many as we can, because we we do get a ton of super chats. So uh, let's just jump in. Tom Bowersock says, "This is my last super chat before I join the private site, dropping YouTube membership." Ooh. Well. Thank you, Tom. And if you feel like Tom as well, go to TimCast.com and become a member. We are, it's still very beta-y. There's some issues. Some people are having trouble logging in, but, you know, just remain calm and we're working through it and I appreciate your support. But by becoming a member, not only do you get access to exclusive members-only content, which we'll be putting up very soon, start producing, we're also going to be doing live events at our studio venue for very limited, very limited audiences. I'm talking like less than 10 people, maybe around then, and only members will get access to the tickets, which are first come, first serve. So again, go to TimCast.com, sign up. But more importantly, considering all the censorship, considering the things we're talking about, literally like one of the experts of tech censorship, you know, Alan is here with uh, your, your book is... Deleted Big Tech's Battle to Erase the Trump Movement and Steal the Election, both of which came true. Yeah. Literally wrote the book on censorship. <laughs> Seriously, please, if you want to support the show, go to TimCast.com, become a member, because the real key to security and success that we have seen with many podcasts is a strong and loyal user base that contributes because then you are insulated against the, the, the threats of censorship, the threats. It really comes down to this. If they've already done this to like Elijah Schaefer, gone after his advertisers numerous times, he's, you know, he's with the blaze. That's why it's so crucial that we build up a large network of, you know, core users who are members because then you're almost invincible. You're, you're, you're insulated. You're protected. That's why Timcast.com is available. Let's read some more. Karma and Kerosene says, Tim, we're trying to influence culture like you talked about. My band Karma and Kerosene just released our first full album. We write rock for libertarians and conservatives. Come check us out on YouTube. Well, there you go. Guys, check out Karma and Kerosene. That's culture. I'll only tell you guys a secret. It's actually not a secret. I talked about it before. YouTube invited me to a special meeting on how to, I forgot what it was called, but it was something about de-radicalization and, you know, social justice. And their concern was that there was a lot of there were a lot of people being radicalized by jihadi content on YouTube. And they were trying to figure out how to make it so that people who would go on YouTube would not view the more extreme, you know, uh, Islamic culture as them. They would view more mainstream, regular American and Western culture. And so they had a bunch of really bad ideas. 
One of the ideas was to make videos telling people they were wrong and they were dumb and they were doing the wrong thing. And I was just like, that's a terrible idea. Because think about it, you got these young kids, they're in the UK, they're in the US, and there are these videos targeting them on YouTube that are free speech. That was the problem. YouTube was like, we can't just take down these videos that are advocating for fundamentalist Islam. So what do we do? And I was just like, just make normal content. That's it. Have have people explain themselves as regular people. Don't make it some big thing. They don't get it, though. They still hold this view where they're like, we need to tell people they're dumb and bash them over the head with it. It's all about just making regular stuff for regular people. And it's like when you see Chris Pratt and he's wearing the Gadsden flag shirt and they freaked out because of it. But everybody loves Chris Pratt. That's what it's all about. Just be a regular person, do regular stuff. Well, it's good to have some inside information about what they're doing about extremism because now the Americans are going to be the extremists. Yeah. Jonathan Galtarini says, check the executive order Trump signed and the letter he sent to Pence and Pelosi today. The letter is actually dated tomorrow, but it's interesting. It's easier to find if you check the RSBN Twitter page. Also, Trump's hearing is set for the 19th. Is it the 19th? I heard that the trial wasn't going to be until till after. Look, man, I, I've been waking up every day since the election with someone saying, today's the day. It's going to happen. The states are going to flip. That's going to happen. It's like every day someone's saying it never happens. You know, it just people just want to believe, I guess. Dylan Keller says, you need a name for your website members. May I suggest Beanie Bros or Beanie Brigade? Also, you should sell a beanie that has a picture of a beanie on us. <laughs> Thank you and spin the male vitality, please. Oh, we don't have that anymore. I do. Oh, no, no, no. no, no, no. You have Dr. Jones's primal Dr. youth. Dr. Jones's primal youth. <laughs> That's right. Spin the primal Dr. Jones. youth. Yes. Yeah, I will spin that. Spin the primal youth. We, we got to stop inadvertently advertising for, for this man. <laughs> do we, though? Do we really got to stop? Well, it's kind of funny. <laughs> Is that it in frame? Like, it, it's kind of funny that Alex Jones has these health products, and on it, it says Dr. Jones. So he is Dr. Jones. I, I hope not, because the man is not a doctor. Well, I'm spinning it for you, Alex, whether you're Dr. Jones or not. <laughs> is, is he more, of a, more or less of a doctor than Jill Biden? Oh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, that's an interesting well, question. Good question. Yeah. Spin that primal youth. Well. <laughs> Rogue Weya says, not my first, but hopefully you'll read this one. Tim, do you think our overlords would allow us a session? They want us all to be their slaves. Where, uh, where's the Tim that said, I'd rather die on my feet than live on my knees? I think I just said that. Yeah, you did. Um, well, that's why I'm out, you know, in the middle of nowhere, setting up uh, a, a, you know, big acreage property for fun and just being away from the cities and all that stuff. But what you got to understand is winning this cultural war and the conflict in our political system requires strategy, persuasion, and resourcefulness. What we saw at the Capitol was none of that. It was the opposite. It scared people. It made people angry. It caused damage to to uh, American relics and to our, our nation's capital. It didn't do anything. It just hurt Trump. The key to winning is like what The Daily Wire did with that new movie, which, you know, I, you, you probably heard about, right? Yeah, it's building culture and getting people interested. Imagine if in like 15 years, you have some kid who's like, I really want to work for Daily Wire Studios, man. They do amazing thrillers. And then they're like, that's Ben Shapiro's company. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. You want kids to proudly say, that's what I want to be when I grow up. So you've got to make things to inspire them and participate in the culture, not just, you know, push barricades down and hit. There's that cliche story about that Hitler was an artist. And maybe there's something to it. But if he had been supported, if people had like shown, (laughs) been like, you can do it, you can become an artist. Maybe he wouldn't have become a crazy dictator. Uh, Maybe that there's a reason they all freaked out over game again. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Because there was a pushback in the, in the cultural space. And so they were doing everything they can to seize 
the means of cultural production. Yeah, I know you got to get to your next question, but did you guys see the Vox article uh, with uh, with if we paid attention to Gamergate, the Capitol Hill ride wouldn't have happened? <laughs> no. and the, there, was, and, and literally, they, that was the headline. Yes. And they put out a tweet where they said, "There's a straight line from Gamergate to the Capitol Hill riots." <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was no, the one. That was the one. There isn't. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> like as if this 53 year old guy with a beard who's like knocking the barricades over had anything to do with complaining about the the, the character design in you know Battlefield One. So the Gamergate thing is that? Can you explain it really quick? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. can't explain it ten, really quick. Ten words or less. Uh, this will be the next book. This will be the next book. Okay. What happened? Right. So it was like female developers. It, it was like gamers didn't like political correctness in video games, and well, there, it all I, came I, to a head over. And then they started fighting the journalists who did want political correctness in video games, and that went on for a year. Well, and and they're blaming the hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. It, it's it's one of the core elements that led to that moment was video game companies would advertise on games journalism websites. So, like, you'd go to, we'll just call it game website, and say, I'll, you know, I'll pay you $1,000 to promote my game. The website would then write articles that were supposed to review the game, but it would all be positive coverage. Why? They didn't want to lose their paycheck. So it was corrupt. They were writing favorable stories about their sponsors and getting paid to do it. So this led to a controversy over ethics in gaming journalism. There was the specific moment with the people I'm not going to name, which triggered this, and then ultimately it became very much about... These journalists were social justice activists. And it's very, very simple, actually. When you are in the modern digital era and you have a job that pays you a salary, you need to write articles every single day. In fact, many of these companies, because I worked for Vice and I worked for Fusion, the editors in the, in the morning meeting says, what stories do you have today? And they would say, video game came out yesterday. I wrote about it. We were doing the walkthrough guide for, you know, Zelda. But what else can we really write about? Oh, I know. Why don't you complain that Zelda is, uh, uh, I don't know, white? So they just started creating drama? They Yes. They needed something to write about so they would have content every day. And they're saying this creation of drama is what led to where we're at now? There's a lot of issues around Gamergate. But the general idea is, from my perspective, having worked for these companies, they were so desperate to make some kind of daily content that they just made po political issues out of games. Dude, rage bait. The, the, the argument is that that was the first cultural pushback against the left. Therefore, it was the first step on the road to Donald Trump. I mean, you could. I, 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 I love this narrative, by the way. It's, it's, there's, there's no truth to it whatsoever, but I love that it's out there. <laughs> I do think that the rage bait culture has kind of led us to become where we're at now. I mean, you could say that liberal media organization well, look at what rage look, baits look, look, against look, Trump. What did AOC just say in an interview? She said, I was scared that the white supremacists members of Congress would reveal my location. She'd be killed. Shut it. White supremacists? What? The, the, which guy? That one guy from Iowa who lost? It's ridiculous. Yeah, and because they're 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 demanding the arrest of Lauren Boebert, these people look. They're criticizing the Republicans who are calling for unity. The Republicans criticized the left who called for unity after Trump won. It's a never-ending. I remember, like you know. 2018, they were like, "It's okay to punch a Nazi." I think I said it once in joking, and then regretted it, and then other people started saying it, and then it started spiraling out of now. Oh, there's so it's all over the place. The Can't problem, the, the problem like, is it's, that it's allegory. It's it's hyperbole. There are no Nazis these days. Nazis was a party of Hitler's. You could have a national socialist like Bernie Sanders. Or Donald Donald Trump. And then you know, funny any that president Bernie Sanders is a, nas is a nationalist. Yeah. Yeah, he's a national socialist, but he's not a Nazi. The Nazis were Hitler's party. Right. So much of politics these days is LARPing. Like it is with the mm -hmm. internet communists as well. Yep. People with the hammer and sickle in their avatar. Really, they just want Medicare for all. Yeah. 
Do they really even know what that means? Which is a very left-wing policy, but it's, you're still not a I don't, communist. I don't think they know what it actually means. Because, you know, when I hear people say universal health care, Medicare for all, I'm like, it sounds like you didn't actually look into it. Because you can talk about what Bernie says when he says, like, uh, uh, every other country on the planet has this. Why can't we have it? And then he goes, ban private health insurance. And you're like, well, not no other country does that. Like, most other countries that have a universal level of care have private health care supplemental. So that's why I actually I actually am in favor of that because I've actually read into it. I've looked at the costs and I think there's some difficult challenges. But when I hear these people say, you know, and then some people I respect too. Jimmy Dore is in favor of Medicare for all with no private with banning private insurance. I disagree. I think he's wrong. I don't think he's he's, he's read into it enough. But I respect the guy a whole lot. He's very principled. I think many of these people who say that they're LARPing and they don't know what they're saying. They don't know what it means. They didn't look into the costs. Ask them. Oh, so what do you do to the two million people who lose their job? Was it two million? Some massive number of people who will lose their jobs. And then create massive uh, economic crash when a large portion of our economy is gutted. That's one of the biggest problems we have. We don't have World War II to create a national crisis of mass death that forces us to create national health services. Anyway, let's read some more Super Chats. Rob Lowe, Rob's Lowe's. Oh, I have to do it now. Mm-hmm. How many... Ro- I, already, I already screwed oh, no. up. How many Lowe's could Rob Lowe rob if Rob Lowe could rob Lowe's? He says, Tim, I was wondering if you would be okay with having my sister on your show. She's starting a life coach podcast. I only ask because it could be nice to have someone that believes a positive lifestyle and removing the screen and clutter, clutter of life. I won't lie to you. Uh, probably not. But that's because we, we, we usually don't book based on, you know, people messaging us and stuff. But we will look into it. So feel free to send us an email to, what was it, spin the UFO yep. at Gmail? Yep. Spin the UFO at gmail.com. Good morning. Sunday morning says, what the Dems, Big Tech, and NYC is doing with Trump sounds like what the Romans called dam, uh, damnatio. Is that what it is? Damnatio memori. Yes, damnatio memori. After a disliked politician died, his name would be removed from buildings, uh. statues, changed, etc. That's weird. That's just weird and creepy. Let's see. Jay of Legend says, doesn't the 10th Amendment already protect the Bill of Rights from Fed, State, and the people, aka civilians? And since the 10 defines people separate of government, it also clarifies the second, which would mean Twitter, FB, etc. are already breaking the law. I'm not a constitutional scholar, so I have no idea how to answer that. Any, anybody? No? Well, we should well. tweet at like Will Chamberlain or somebody. Yeah. Joshua Cassell says, I'm from Ontario, and we have an enforced stay at home starting at midnight. I can't legally see my girlfriend in another city still going. Also have to uh, have to have note from work to go to work now. I wonder if I could like hire people to document what it's like to be in the lockdown as a media organization, offer them up a very light contract of like, man, I'd love for you to be able to document what it's like going to your girlfriend's house when this lockdown's in place. I got to be honest, it's really interesting. You might see no cars, no businesses. I'd like to hire someone to be able to do that. Hey, guess what? You'll have to drive to your girlfriend's to do it, and you'll be at work. I could write you a note. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy what's happening in Canada, in the United Kingdom. And we have to understand this is all happening under democratic rule. And most likely, those same restrictions are coming to the United States very soon as well. That's why people got to get out of the cities. But we're seeing something interesting. We're seeing a blue immigration into red areas. And I was talking to someone earlier who is uh, very conservative. He was like, you can tell. Because, you know, out, out here in the middle of nowhere, you got bears and stuff. And they'll post on Nextdoor, that app. You guys know what Nextdoor is, a social media for your zip code. And you, like, you can tell if they just moved here because they're complaining about a lot of what people are doing. And it's like, I don't think you realized where you moved to. No one is going to get your back on this. You're on your own, quite literally, not disrespectfully. Just literally everybody takes care of themselves. It's like you got animals, Put figure it out. 
Go on the internet, research what to do about big bears coming on your property because no one's going to help you. Help, help. Call the police. Where? Where are they? 45 minutes away. Good luck. Yeah, Florida's like another country when you go down there. I mean, I think DeSantis is going to be a contender in 24 just in a big part. And a big reason of that is because of the way he responded to COVID. Yep. Jason Stanek says, hi, Tim and co. I'm just some random guy that registered with the FEC and ran a pathetic campaign for president. Thought I uh, thought you might want to check out my crappy website before I take it down next week. My username dot com by. So uh, Jason Stanek 2020 is his name. Let's see here. Louis Cintron says Poland has a pending contract with Raytheon. Don't forget who just joined the cabinet. So does that mean they're going to bend the knee? I don't know. Daniel Nelson says, I think if Parler taught us anything, it's that when given the opportunity to speak freely, people will take that opportunity. I personally took a few jokes too far on there. I'll own up to it. Definitely. I think there there is a, a, a real problem with online anonymity. It is a serious challenge, though. There are dissidents who face persecution and prosecution in their horrifying dictatorships if they find out who's saying these things. At the same time, there are people who will never be held accountable for saying really disgusting and awful things, and they just love being nasty. We we really did build a culture of being awful people on the internet. It kind of bums me out. We didn't build it. The algorithms incentivized no, it. No, no, no. I'm talking about going back to CompuServe and, and bulletin board I, systems. I think people are actually, I've changed my view on this. People can be nasty when they're anonymous, but actually I think they're nasty when they have a face and a name behind it because then you've got, then you've got the virtue signaling incentive. I'm going to condemn these people and yeah. my reputation yeah. will go up. And ego to defend it. Okay, this one might be controversial. You ready for something controversial? Mm-hmm. Raf uh, Meinster says, "Mr. Bakari, how was ghost writing Milo's book like?" Uh, interesting. Is that is that true? I mean, uh, you'd have to look into it and read the reports. Oh, is that what they're claiming? I don't know. That's why I said maybe it's controversial. We'll leave it there then. Colin Kehi says, "I don't know if I'm just out of the loop, but it seems like Parlor came out of nowhere. The first I'd ever heard of Alt Tech was was Sticks, and he was talking about Gab Mines and Bitshoot." But never Parler. That's true. I don't understand why Parler became the go-to app. Gab, had, Gab already yeah. existed. It had a lot of um, like mainline Republican support, a lot of big donors. But they also did a lot of KYC where you needed a phone number to join. And they admittedly worked with the police on uh, many investigations as well. Interesting. Gareth Green says, further. You're, oh, oh, is there a, another one I'm missing from you, Gareth? This is the problem with uh, segmented. There, there we is. go. Garrett says, Tim, you need to understand that regulations violate individual rights. Corporations are legally individuals, and big tech regulations are against everything the GOP stands for. Regulations are fascism. I disagree. It's like there's a certain level of too much power for government and too much power for corporations. A regulation is not necessarily, in and of itself, too much power. If it's restricting access because it's holding something back, I think I'm totally in favor of that. I don't know if you guys want to disagree. Mm. No, I, I agree. I mean, Aristotle's cycle of regimes, it's amazing how it happens to almost every republic. It descends into oligarchy. Yep. Gareth Green says, further, your whole thing about tech suppression will destroy dissent and competition forever is incredibly short-sighted because it only creates a market for competition. And moreover, you forget how new social media is. The free market will crush them in time. How's Parler doing? I mean, Gab's doing well because they're building the entire infrastructure, even their own browsers and their own phones. But they have gone after every competitor and tried to suppress them. And it's not just that. YouTube uses its subsidy from Google to suppress any video competition. The one thing that really props up YouTube is the ability to make money. The one reason you can make money is because YouTube is subsidizing it to make sure no one else can emerge in the space. 
There are other platforms that have tried to make money for people, but they just don't make enough. And so people don't use them. Let's see. Robert Pointer says, hey, went to TimCast.com today and became a member. Love what you do. Keep it up. Yes. And you can become a member, too, because TimCast IRL is great. I don't know. What, what is it saying? That's is, true. It's good, but it can be better with <laughs> members only content. I'm going to use that line. I like that. Yeah. Wonder Woman 1984 was pretty bad. But that meme is pretty good of, of Pedro Pascal saying life is, is good, but it can be better. So that's a good meme to use. I'm going to use that one. All right. Let's see what else we got here. Gareth Green says the queen has more power behind the scenes than anyone anyone know. She has an audience with the prime minister every week and no one knows what goes on between them. My idea is that instead of chief executive, the monarch could be the head of the, the judiciary. Interesting. I don't know. You're British, right? You have an opinion on that? Uh, I've never heard that theory before. Uh, they, she does have the meeting every week with the prime minister, and it's true. No one really knows what uh, is discussed there. Oh, is really sometimes, it, sometimes you know, there are there are leaks, and you know, there's the whole Netflix series where they, you know, we fictionalized it. Up, yeah. We have a very, very important one. Uh, Tom Drolet says, "Simping for Ian, stay real, brother." Ooh. Yo, homie. Yeah. Uh, Dad teaches and words to my son says, "Holy hell, Ian, have some chicken noodle soup and vitamin C and lots of water." Oh, okay. Thank you. Supportive. Odysseus Horse says, Ian, we had a national bank when President Jackson, who was against centralized banking, proposed shutting it down. The bank threatened to collapse the economy. Well, they threatened the wrong man. Yeah, didn't he, he like, nuke him? And, he like, shut down the, the second, or whatever? The second. Uh, I wouldn't mess with Jackson. Bank, and they tried to shoot him. They did shoot him. Wow, what? Jeez. Yeah, he got assassination attempt when he tried to shut down the second central bank. Wow. And it was a span of 20 years that they shut it, uh, shut the big bank down, and that's why they put him on the $20 bill, allegedly. Oh, really? Yeah. I should, I should <laughs> that was like a smack in the that. face. Yes. <laughs> Double check that. But, but, but sure. last week was unprecedented political violence, never before in American history. Uh, yeah, 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 never mm-hmm. happened. Yeah. Never happened. Yeah, it was uh, actually, you know that story about that one guy, what was his name? Alexander Hamilton? Yeah, totally made up. Never happened. Dueling? Not a thing. Yeah. Just this country? No. Last summer didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, Black Lives Matter? Just something your parents made up to scare you before bed. Make make, make sure you don't break the rules. All right, let's see. Christian McHatton says, if you rewatch Catch Me If You Can, the banking scene where he goes in as a grifter and gets denied, then goes back in as a pilot and commands the authority to cash his checks. Authority lies where people believe it resides. That's right. Absolutely true. That's why I ate for free a lot with my press card. Yeah. Walking into places like, oh, he's got a press card. You know, we're scared of him. TJ Fister says, this is one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Trump is Jack Nicholson walking into the asylum. It culminates with the party, the D.C. riot. Now Nurse Ratchet has shut it all down and forcing us to take our pills to make us behave. Didn't he, like, break out the window and then run away with his No, boots? that was his friend. He, oh, got, okay. he got lobotomized. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> Great. Oh, man. Uh, Jordan Moeller says, Tim Pool, who has $10 a month to spend on basically what we're getting for free, let alone $1,000 a month? Grifter. Shame. Oh, shame. Is that, is that a How real How much did comment? you spend on that super chat? $10? $5. Oh, $5. <laughs> Thank okay. you for your money. <laughs> yeah. Um, the website isn't just going to be nothing. We're going to have exclusive live streams and behind the scenes access and, you know, segments and interviews. We literally launched it on Monday. So it's like, we just put it up. I put it up and we're actually going to do events too. So who has $10 a month? Well, if you don't, I mean, you don't, don't then watch the show Did you for ever free. see like, that Twitch girl who was like, was telling people to subscribe to her channel? I mean, it's just, it's just, she was wretched. like, you're not giving me money. Yeah, she's like, like uh, we do the show. You are, I don't even want to. Re- re- this is, this is what I love about the future. This show is free. 
It's free on all podcast platforms. Yep. It is free to watch live. It is You can comment in the chat section and do all that stuff. And then we're going to have a members-only space with extra stuff. So it's like you get a free show. I don't, you know, people are you know, discounts well, here's, on here's merch. The, here's the point. Yeah. I, I actually, I you know, I wanted to have a ten, a five thousand, a ten thousand, a, a, a thirty thousand, a fifty, a one hundred, because if you don't ask, the answer is always no. That's true, right? So you throw it out there and then see if someone throws a bunch of crazy money at you for some reason, which they usually, they, Did, they, they basically don't. Didn't but, you someone know, send like $10 million in Bitcoin to that one guy? They did. Did no, everyone on the show? 220. What's no. his name? No, 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 no. No? I thought that. They sent quite a bit. Know. They said quite a bit of Bitcoin. I'm not sure how much exactly. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. What's We're the t- guy's name that everyone's like, you got to have him on the show. You got to have him on the show. No. Fuentes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Nick oh, Fuentes. oh, oh, oh. Then I heard that I someone sent him like of, millions of dollars in Bitcoin. There, uh, uh, I, I was thinking of, uh, we were talking about Weave. So he got sent like a million dollars. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, what are you talking about? No. Yeah, that'd be cool to be able to let people pay with crypto to sign up for the month. That'd be cool. That's yeah. really hard to do. Yeah, this this yeah. grifting thing. I mean, no one ever yells grifter at the Washington Post for making you pay to read lies. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Xerosopher says, things are so bad, even in Canada, I am called a white sup. I am the only white person in my house. I proved shelter to half, uh, I provide shelter to a half native woman and her kids rent free. The oldest calls me daddy and is half Asian, but I am the problem. I fear not for my future, but his. Wow. Ah, that's a bummer. Let's see. Shinjito says, hey, Tim, I'll watch the live stream later, but wanted to ask you, is there a way to become a member through Bitcoin or is it only PayPal for now? If so, any idea when other payment options will be implemented? Keep up the good work. Probably just PayPal for now, because I don't think we have the infrastructure to build something like that. Maybe it should be built, but there's only so much a dude who complains on the internet can do. I think there's float.app that already does something like this that allows people to use cryptocurrencies for subscription based kind (laughs) of uh, profiles. Daniel Maxwell says at Luke fake woke comment. I am behalf of all non-human primates. Oh, on on behalf of all non-human primates, I am offended by your shirt. I hope that one is on your site. It oh, because it is you're... on my site. Yes, we are change.org forward slash shirt. Akipat says, Tim, all phones are always recording. If you thoroughly read all the disclosures and end user license agreements, they will tell you this. All phones have most devices are compromised and totally listening to everything 100%. I actually did the story on this when I believe it first started coming out. Because, you know, phones have voice activation, and so do the little devices used by, you know, Google and, and Amazon, they have to which means the microphones have to be on. Otherwise, how would they know what you were saying? The other thing is, the way they, trans- they, 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 they know what you're saying is they send the audio to a company that transcribes it and then sends the text as data, and then they can use that to translate. There are some apps where they'll, like, say the word three times to record your voice, but they're, they, they don't work that well. Because you might say, it'll be like, say your name. And then you'll say, Tim, Tim. And then the next time you do it, you'll go like, Tim. And then it'll not register that it's you. So now they, they do this whole thing where they are constantly sending. That's why voice uh, voice text doesn't work when you don't have internet. So yes, that I know. They claim, though, it's not actually being used to, uh, you know, record and then sell it. But because so it's this proprietary. That's what, what they always say, know. to improve the service. Mm. I used right. to, I held on my uh, Android 5 as long as I could because you could take the battery out. But these all have embedded batteries, yeah. I think. Let mm-hmm. should check that. Daniel Bundrick says, Wild, how many people identify as libertarian but pay no attention to the libertarian party? I think conservative thought leaders should sign agreements to overthrow the libertarian party, toss its leaders, and turn it into a party that intends to win. Yeah, I think um, the libertarian party may be 
the only real viable party at this point. They could move forward. Mind Fury says, love the show. I think li- li- libertarians will never, ever win a national election. The United States are a complete joke. If every single, well, I think now's the yeah, opportunity. Yeah, well, if, if everyone voted for them, then no, no, yes. No, no, but the Trump supporters abandoned the GOP, then you'd have a massive wave to whatever party is viable. You're, uh, that's a new, entirely new party, like a patriot party, like some people are talking about. That's much more likely than the libertarians ever winning anything. They're just too, they're not going to win. They're, you don't think so? I mean, they got, what, 5 million votes last time? Most people just see them as a joke party. Yeah. Let's see. Mind Fury says, love the show. I think YouTube is mocking you. The JRE show with you, Dorsey, and Vijaya has been queued up to play after this. Uh, well, that's good, isn't it? Yeah. Especially right now. Watch it. Robert Miller says, hey, Luke, ordered a do a Civil War shirt. Teespring says violates policy, so they won't make it. What up? Sarcasm is not allowed. They don't get satire. I complained, of course. What 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 happened? You know that shirt where they're poking the thing? Yes. And say, yeah, he said it was it's banned. What? Yep. Uh, I'm gonna Incitement. double check that. I didn't get any. That's why my shirts are silly. Like yeah. if well, you the, I mean the shirt I'm wearing isn't that pretty serious right now. Oh, they'll call it racist. Well if you would like to get an I am a gorilla t shirt, make sure you go to <laughs> teespring.com slash stores slash Timcast and, and you will see some, I am a gorilla. But we're just saying you're gorilla because it's funny. That's right. It's a reference to the book Ishmael. And we've reappropriated the meme so that it's I am a gorilla. Love yourself. Mm -hmm. So we also have a special Valentine's Day shirt of a gorilla. We're trying to figure out exactly what it should look like. And I'm I'm thinking it should be a a gorilla screaming with spit coming out and his eyes going the wrong directions, demanding that you love yourself. Well, well, technically, I have a gorilla on my shirt. And he believes that the government is the answer to our problems. I think that's a a chimp skull. That, I, that could be a gorilla. I don't know. Could be. I, I'm it is pretty now. sure it is. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Not, gorillas a, are apes, so yeah. we are descended from yeah. gorillas. We are not. They're we cousins. share a common ancestor. Yeah. From apes, right? The great yeah. ape. From a primate of some sort. Oh, cool. Let's see. Kenneth Anderson says, hey, Tim, big fan of the show. I just wanted to ask you about your opinion on grow, uh, growing support of Texit. Oh, is that Texas seceding yeah. from the Union? I don't know, man. I don't think that'll ever happen. I think the United States needs to remain unified and strong because China is a serious threat. And if we broke up, then China would just take over. And that's, you know. Pretty important. Let's just do uh, one more, a couple, let's do two more. Ed says, if Trump gets impeached, I am never voting Republican ever again. And I think others should do the same. Right on. And Charles Bay, uh, Balyozian says, Alum, great foresight with hashtag deleted. Reading now and you're on point. Also, recognize uh, Armenia. I am also a gorilla. Stop. Interesting. Well, uh, with that being said, uh, people are yelling Ishmael in the chat. Uh, with that being said, though, uh, Alum, you wrote a book on tech censorship called um, Deleted Big Tech's Battle to Erase the Trump Movement and Steal the Election. Uh, if you read books, go and buy it. It's at deletedbook.com. If you know someone who reads books, maybe uh, someone two decades older, you, older than you who doesn't know what a YouTube is, uh, give it to them as well, because everyone needs to understand this threat, even if they don't use the Internet. You've been covering the, the censorship stuff for forever, basically. Like Essentially, you yes. Yeah, since, section... since, since 2015, since before anyone uh, figured out it was going to be a problem, Breitbart News did because we saw, we saw how hostile the left had become the free speech and we saw the Internet as the greatest platform for free speech. So it was inevitable that those two trends would collide, and they did. Right on, man. Well, thanks for hanging out tonight. Do you want to mention any other social media or anything? Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, Tim. Uh, I'm still on Twitter uh, for now. Haven't been banned yet. At uh, Libertarian Blue, a legacy from when I didn't think libertarians were a joke. <laughs> but you can't. But you can't change your handle these days without getting deverified, and you need uh, that blue check more than ever if you don't want to be shadow banned. 
you can also find me on Gab at AB. And until recently, you can find me at AB. Got one of those nice, nice short handles. Early adopter. And until recently, you can find me on Parlor at Alan B. And maybe when they come back, you can uh, find me there again. And obviously, we'll go to Breitbart uh, News if you want the uh, latest tech news articles. Right on. Of course, uh, Luke's hanging out. Yeah, my independent media channel is We Are Change on YouTube. And if you believe the government is the answer to our problems, this shirt is not for you. And you should not go to wearechange.org forward slash shirts to get one yourself that would also support my efforts here on this show. So don't do that. Remember, do as you're told. Right Unless on. you're a gorilla. <laughs> yes. Ian, are you, I hear you have social media. Are you a gorilla? Ooh. Have you bought an I am a gorilla shirt? Oh. Yes, I do have social media, Tim. At Ian Crossland, uh, I pretty much have cornerstoned uh, all the social networks, except I don't know if I'm on Gab yet. I might be, but I'm on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Minds. Um, come follow me on Minds. I co-founded that. We barely talked about Minds today, but along lines with Gab and, and Parler, it's it's uh, free it's software social network. That M-I-N-D-S dot yeah, yes. Minds. That's right. And don't forget, you can follow at Sour Patch Lays. Just pressing all the buttons. You can. I am. This is true. I am right now only on Twitter since Parlor is gone. My handle is Sour Patch Lids, L-Y-D-S. And then when I get on Gab, I think I'm going to have my handle be the same. So I think I'll do that today. Wonderful. And of course, if you haven't already, smash the like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell. And if you would like to protect us from big tech censorship, we are, we've got a lot of stuff in the works. You can go to TimCast.com, become a member to get exclusive members-only content, which will be coming soon. There are also some issues people are having with logins, so just bear with us as we're getting everything ramped up. But our goal is, my goal, I should say this, is if we can get a dedicated and large enough support base from members, we will be totally insulated and free from any threats of real censorship. You know, I've had TimCast.com for some time, and it was just like, hey, donate if you want to. And I really decided to lean into this because, you know, more importantly— Many successful podcasts thrive only off of their core uh, users and members and those who really support the show. And that allows them to, well, it allows them that protection and that freedom. And, you know, they don't have to worry about getting banned from YouTube. I'm hoping that we can reach that level. What that means is if you are a member, the exclusive content you will get will probably be a bit more bombastic and the uncensored access to some of these segments with some of our guests, which we'll start producing soon. And again, we're also going to have in-person live events for very small crews. So the goal is we're going to have like comedians and political commentators and pundits, musicians doing shows on site and a small select group of members will, you know, we're, we're going to put on email saying tickets are available, first come, first serve. But then the events will be live streamed and we'll do special member access streams and interviews and things like that. So we have, we have a big plan in the works to get this, you know, up and running and just more than what it is now. And uh, we could use your support. So again, TimCast.com. Don't forget to, like I said, like, share and subscribe. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram and Minds at TimCast. You can check out my other channels, YouTube.com slash TimCast and YouTube.com slash TimCast News. We will be back tomorrow at 8 p.m. live. Thank you all so much for hanging out and we will see you all then. Bye, guys.